Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, I hope this sounds okay. I'm recording this on my phone. First intro on the phone ever because I forgot to pack my computer and I'm in Cleveland and I'm looking forward to the show tonight in Cleveland. Uh, I really am. That sounded sarcastic. Uh, it's going to be wonderful. And if you would like to come to a live stand-up show or perhaps a live You Made It Weird, I'm being much better about putting the tour dates on uh, PeteHolmes.com, meaning I've got somebody that's adding them to PeteHolmes.com because I never did it. I, I just never did it. But now they're on there. So take a look. Uh, I'm going a, a lot of different places. We're going to be in Philly next week with Chris Thayer. Uh, Indiana is coming up. We're doing a live You Made It Weird for the uh, Limestone Comedy Fest. They're all on PeteHolmes.com. Check it out. Go there and check it out. Now, this is this is an episode that uh, either people have been really excited about it or they uh, have no idea who Rob is. And either way, I'm so excited to present it to you. I have to think that this is um, the first of hopefully several times we'll have Rob on the show just because this is, uh, you know, my my, day, my first effort, I would say. So excited to talk to him. I think that comes off. And then there's still about a billion things I'd like to hear him uh, on. Uh, so many different questions that I have for him. So hopefully we'll have him back and uh, we'll continue this discussion that I consider the two of us just starting. So uh, a fair warning, he's a pastor. This is the first time we're having a non-comedian on the show. So heads up, if you don't like the God portion of the show, this one might not be for you. Not really, not heavy on the bits, more of a more of a God talk. So it's super churchy, you should know that. And also, uh, he's just wonderful. Every time I talk to him about some hang-up I had about the church or whatever, I just kept encountering this wonderful, light-filled, positive guy that isn't, like, burdened by these hang-ups that I grew up with. So very refreshing, and I hope that comes across in this discussion. Uh, if you want to give yourself a little bit of a, a heads-up on him, I would recommend just YouTube Rob Bell. And there's lots of different, there's like trailers for his books and some talks that he's given. Go ahead, pause this, I'll wait, and uh, and, and acquaint yourself with Rob a little bit. Because I was thinking about, what would we play to get you to know him? I was like, I'd want to play his entire book. Like Love Wins, one of my favorite books. Uh, what we talk about when we talk about God. Incredible books. And the sponsor is Amazon, so that works out pretty well. If you want to buy one of these books, go to nerds.com, click on the link, and then buy one of these books. Support the guest, Rob, and the show at the same time. But either way, free podcast. You don't have to do any of that. I do sincerely hope you enjoy. And like I said, um, when I was listening back, and I never listened back to these things, I kept going like, oh, I should ask him this, I should ask him this, I should ask him this. Which means, I think this is, uh, I'm going to call this Rob Bell Part 1. So, please, enjoy, everybody. Get into it. This is Katie. Hi. This is Rob. Rob. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Uh, I got you. Like oh, please sit here. God, it's so. I had no idea you were so tall. I like it. How tall are you? Six five and a it's half. Good, isn't it? There's no disadvantage. Oh no. <laughs> you hit your head occasionally. But you know. But he, the, the tall. I've, I've always liked to say, up until a certain point, the tallest man running for. You can wear these if you want. Tallest man running for president always won. Up until a certain point. Yeah. People like tall people. We can retrieve frisbees. We can walk into a room and instantly attain, attain devotion and command. That's correct. For you, simultaneously. Yes. I bet, I bet, I bet uh, the Lord was quite tall. Look, we've already gotten to the Lord. <laughs> I have to tell you. Our Lord. Our Lord. Not, <laughs> God. 
Have you ever listened to the show? No. I, which is completely fine. I assume no guests have, but uh, the Lord comes up a lot. Like, as, as a joke, it's like right. a good go-to. Yes. I like saying, do you believe in the Lord? I find that to be a condescending right, right. question, like, has when the, I talk to people. Has the Lord spoken to you lately? Yeah, I love that. Or just, like, which Lord do you love? We've had oh, some really funny moments. Lord where, of your life. Who's the Lord of your life? God, that kills me. That kills me so hard. Let me let me open with this. I can't believe Katie left. I'm so excited because I'm what? so excited. She's gone. What? What? No, Katie? What? She's our dummy tech. She's a dummy. <laughs> to quote, all I'm going to want to do is quote Bible with you. Paul would have liked her to leave. Come on, little little anti woman stuff. I'm joking around. You don't have to defend everything I think. Why are Why are we here, by the way? Why are we in a comic book store? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, I, I, it's beautiful. What's What is the deal? Especially the brain in the corner. That's from Mars Attacks. Oh, really? Interesting. So you, these are your friends? These are <laughs> That's my friend. The Mars Attacks doll is one of my few friends. That's a painting of my big face because I laugh very loud. Uh, that's, that's, I overlook the whole shop. This belongs to Chris Hardwick. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. Chris Hardwick is a comedian, and, and he uh, – the Nerdist Theater, there's a comedy show downstairs uh-huh. on Wednesdays that I recommend. You live in L.A., right? Yeah. It's a wonderful show on Wednesday nights. It's my favorite Great. show. I go every week almost. I didn't go last night. Was it good last night? Very good. See, always good. See, look at you missed it. But it's not like it's not like I'm uh, cold calling you for some schlub show. This is the show. This is the Louis C.K. This is Bill Burr. Th- these are the real people come to this show and they pop in. It's awesome. And it's presumptionless or uh, pretentionless. That's why I like doing this podcast. Unpretentious. Here. Unpretentious. <laughs> you can say pretentiousless. Yes, you can. Can you? Yeah, I knew exactly what you meant. I it had just no sounded idea. funny. It does sound funny. Did you always want to be a comedian? I don't interview me. I'll let you do it. I will. Oh, look at me. I will look let you do me. it. I will. No, I'll answer that. Uh, it's a great question for us, I think, because uh, I always thought I was going to be a youth pastor. I went to Gordon College. Do you know Gordon? Uh, that's on the East Coast. You went to Wheaton. I did. Which is, I, I applied to Wheaton. And what happened? Didn't get in. <laughs> Denied. So I went to the Wheaton of the East. Oh. They say Wheaton is the Harvard of the Christian schools, and Gordon is the Wheaton of the East Coast, so it's twice removed from Harvard. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't go to Wheaton, though. You guys had curfews. Uh, at least when I visited, there was a curfew. I know not of what you speak. Really? Uh, maybe they did. Now they that do. It wasn't really a part of my life then. No? <laughs> did you live on campus? I did. And maybe it was a later thing. Well, this is how it was put to me in that soft kind of uh, kind of way. It was like, it's not that there's a curfew. It's like they take note. If you unlock a door because you have a key, like a hotel, and you oh. consistently come in after 11. Then if there's problems down the road, they can say, hey, look. Right. Or they, I think one of, the, one of my least favorite things is accountability. I hate that word. I, I don't have a problem with accountability per se, but that's sort of like fake. We're just marshalling your funds. The word sometimes basically means we know you're going to screw up. Yeah, exactly. We've, al- the, we've already decided about you. Yeah, and we're, we're on to you. <laughs> yes. we're, that's what it is. We're on your tail, and we're yes. going to come and get you. Yeah. So, that, so Wheaton had that, and they also had a no dancing thing. It's, you know, it was my understanding. It's interesting. When I was at Wheaton, I was in a band. I cool and um, <laughs> my roommates were comedians. They had an improv group called Seafood Rodeo. Oh, I did. And I did Christian improv too. There were a bu- no. This was like good improv. <laughs> um, this was legit, but it was this whole world of painters and sculptors. And Charlie Mason was doing these twenty foot canvas prints of eyeballs. Um, serious artists and musicians. So I sort of existed in this little world a of different like, Wheaton. Kind well, of. it was just this very very animated sort of electric creative environment where uh-huh. we were writing stuff and making stuff and it seemed like somebody was always um had a show had a it was like gallery berlin. it was berlin 
Well, you went to school. We in were in the west suburbs of Chicago, so <laughs> a couple clicks from Berlin. But but it's interesting to me because my because um, it's a quote you know Christian yeah college. But for me, it was this extraordinary place of life and vitality and creativity. And I'm so happy to hear that. So the, so the idea though, the bunch of oppressive rules that wasn't really anything that was sort of on our radar. It kind of um, that turned up later then. Oh, I think they're probably all. I mean, there was a pledge. Remember, you, there were there were these sort of rules, but it just for us like. No dancing? Are you kidding me? This mosh pit has 400 people in it. Yeah. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Wait, you um, would dance. That is oh all. Oh, my word. All we knew, it was, all, it was so legalistic by the time I was applying to Wheaton. By the, they, were, they took pride in like the my, my thing was there was always a show, and, and it was hot, sweaty, like awesome. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's funny. That's, that, like, that's, that was my experience, yeah. I'm so, so glad that you People you're... told me that when our sort of group sort of graduated that things changed. People have told me that. And people who were there a couple years later said, yeah, man, you, there was like a thing that happened with all these different yeah. people creating stuff that sort of – so I don't know what it's like now, but that's what that was my experience. That's was like, very, very interesting. It was extraordinary. It was amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. It's a lovely oh, yeah. campus. And it, I, had, I, had an, I had amazing professors. I had, like an ex, I had nothing but – I'm so happy to hear wonderful. that. Gordon is a little bit of one of the machines I rage against. I have a, I have, I have a bit of a problem oh, with yeah. college. I, I am glad that it kept me out of trouble. You know yeah. what I mean? Not that yeah, I'm like yeah. really a, a thrill-seeking bad boy, despite my image. But I, I think <laughs> despite all the leather and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you guys can't see, but I am wearing assless jumps, and they are leather, and they're delightful. But I, uh, I, 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 it kept me from drinking, kept me from drugs, and all that sort of stuff because there was none of that, and yeah. I am grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But that's a little bit of a backhanded way of saying like I like my school for what it didn't have rather than yeah, what it excelled it did have. in impulse control. Exactly. <laughs> when I was too stupid to do it for myself, I think. And I think that's what it's built on. It's a little bit like military school. We only had a three-hour window where girls could be in your room. Yeah. We called that open dorm. Did you have something like that? Yeah. So you did have that. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah. were okay with that. Yeah, we got bicycles. And we would do a show involving walking on the walls, like a foot on either side of the hallway, and guys with bicycles and crash helmets. Would go underneath you? We had like a whole performance show we would do. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what does that have to do with girls' dorms, though? If you had – when you had like uh, what they called open floor. Yeah. For us, that was like, all right, let's do something. What can we come up with? Oh, my God. What can we come up with that will blow minds? So there was a little bit of that summer camp feel. There is something kind of nice about that. For sure. There is a simplicity. There's an extension of your youth into your college years instead of like just binge drinking or whatever like a lot of my friends were doing. I was um, awake – and sober the whole time. Yeah. Which for me was a gift. I think well, I'm so with I think you. that you there is a role that plays for yeah. some folks where yeah. and especially if you're in an environment where there's like a positive, there's like we're making stuff, we're learning stuff. It's right. like then you're okay. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially when your brain is so de- developing. That's what older people know that younger people don't care yeah. about is that your brain really is still in these formative years and if yeah. you're killing I'm killing my brain all the time with different things. But like now I feel like at least it's an established brain. I'm attacking a city that's already got a foundation. But when you're like 18 yeah. and you start drinking, it's it's actually considerably worse Some people worse can't handle you. the freedom. I agree it's with that. It's really destructive. And other people are fine and are like, what are, I don't understand. This is holding me back. This yeah. is, I'm beyond this. Let's go. Well, that's what happened. A lot of, a lot of the kids at, at Gordon, uh, it had a military school vibe. They were there because they were being punished. Ooh. Like you could find those kids. Not the best place to start. No. For learning. And not the best place. It, it, it's Warden Jesus style. It's like Jesus is only concerned. And this is one of the big things that I that I used to really dislike. And one, I should open with this. I'm the biggest fan of yours. I just I am <laughs> so blown away by you. I, I We've had Zach Galifianakis, Judd Apatow, John Hamm. I wasn't nervous for any of those people. I'm nervous for you. I don't want to blow it. 
I can't blow smoke up your butt. I'm not saying ass because you're a man of the Lord. <laughs> I'm just oh, saying, really? I, I wouldn't condescend you that way. I'm just saying I'm so, so thrilled you that say, you're here. Would you say that the Lord kicks ass? <laughs> I, oh, my God. You know the story of Balaam? Love that story. Well, my professor, Marv Wilson, do you know our father Abraham? He wrote that book, Marv Wilson. Yes, I know that name. Yeah, yeah. It's a great he, he's a professor at Ed Gordon. He used to tell – this is one of those Christian things. He'd tell the story – about God speaking through Balaam's ass, which is what it says in the, uh, being a word for a donkey. Yes. But he would tell it to us, and none of us knew if he was joking, because it was a big deal to say ass. He would say, if God can speak through Balaam's ass, he can speak through you. And he was making the joke that you and I know he was making. But at the time, we were like, there's no way. That's too blue. Have you ever read the King James translation of that story? No. You seriously have to read it. Why dost thou smote thine own ass? <laughs> It is literally like a John Cleese sort of Monty Python. The King James is so good. Just read it straight through. It's a good you comedy. You couldn't make it better. You couldn't make it better. You're reminding me of my favorite <laughs> my favorite Bible verse, my favorite funny Bible verse. I think it's in uh, Amos. I, that's, that's one of them, right, Amos? That's one of them. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it'll sound familiar. It says, go show your love to your wife, though she be an adulteress. And just as the Lord loves the Philistines, even though they worship the sacred raisin cakes or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sacred raisin sacred cakes. Sacred raisin cakes. Which we couldn't get oh, over goodness. sacred raisin cakes. How many cakes. times have I seen people bowing down to the sacred <laughs> And then I read – I had a life application Bible and I looked down at well, the – you're a serious I wasn't, student of the word. I was not messing around. <laughs> My mother, mm-hmm. the biggest – my spiritual influence. She she brought me into the world, and then she brought me into the the, the religious world as well. Yeah. Uh, I told her I bought Love Wins. I told her that it, it blew my dick off. I didn't say that, but I was like, this book was amazing. I actually listened to it. I read it. I, I listened to you read it, which I thought you did a tremendous performance. And then I was like, you got to read this book. And she was like, ah, that Unitarian, Universalist nonsense. And then she read it. And on her birthday, she called me and she had read it. And it was the best – oh, I'm sorry. It was my birthday. It was the best birthday gift I've oh, ever gotten wow. was my mother saying, like, I loved – like, she got it. She wasn't closed wow. off to it. It was so amazing. It was truly amazing. So I, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you. That's fantastic. Isn't that great? I, I was afraid she was going to get in and we were going to have, like, a debate, which I honestly wasn't even interested in having. You know oh, they're what I mean? so boring, aren't it's they? It's boring. Oh. That's why when I asked you to do the show, I was like, it's a safe place. I'm not having you on the show to be like, so God loves burning or whatever. I don't know what you're getting. I'm not your enemy. I'm your friend, and I'm glad you're here. So when did you think stand-up comedy? Well, okay, so that, that's, that's good, and I will continue to let you interview me. <laughs> and everyone who's so excited about this episode who already knows everything about me is kicking their uh, iPods right now mad at me. But it's interesting, and it does go back to you, is I had all the facets, I had all the skills to either be a comedian or a youth pastor. It's the same skill set. I'm comfortable talking in front of people, yes. and I used to do that. I led worship. I played guitar. That goes very well if you want to write a funny little ditty, all that sort of stuff. Yes. And then like a need to uh, salve, salve, uh, salve, yeah. Yeah, yeah, calm yeah. people down. I want people to leave in the weirdest way. I consider what I do, and I'd love to hear you speak on this, a ministry. I talk about it all the time. Even though I might be talking about quote-unquote dirty things, at the end of the day, a good comedian, a good comedian, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to defend all of stand-up. Most of it I hate. Most of it is garbage. I can't stand it. But a lot of it that's good. 
is unifying. People go, I thought that was just me. Or people go, oh, even better, they go, I thought I was the only one afraid of that or embarrassed by that. I thought I was alone. I'm not alone. It's communal. It's better than watching it on TV. Do it in a congregation. Something spiritual is happening, I believe. And and someone is paying attention to the audience. The audience is paying attention to the performer. There's yeah. this exchange. Back. There's a change of energy. I always consider it sexual. I know that's in a beautiful way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not you know, the, um, uh, Ronald Roheiser, the, the priest, has a book where he talks about how sexuality comes from the Latin word sext, which means to be cut off. Huh. So sexuality is essentially your desire for connection. Interesting. And so when you talk about like on the stage, there's like a sexual component and people go, ooh, that's great. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the larger human need for connection. It's like we're all cut off and distant and separated. Yeah. And there's a thing you do in – when you were on Conan Mm. and you did the thing on Wonder and how with Google, we don't have to wonder where Tom had – I'm, Tom ju- I'm just thr- Petty. Tom Petty, yeah. Tom Petty is from. I'm just thrilled you watched it. Um, <laughs> by the way, there's a great line. You know, there's a great line from him about where he's from. Really? He's like, you have to understand. I'm from northern Florida, which is, of course, southern Georgia. <laughs> the further north you go, the but I, further When you started talking about where's Tom Petty, I was like, yeah. Tom Petty has something funny to say about that. Oh, but it's funny. interesting because you do the whole thing about how when you don't know, there's a sense of you don't know. Yeah. And there's a, now, in that thing, you sort of finish that piece. Yeah. It sort of crescendos there. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about what comedy does, there is a prophetic element to it, I would argue, mm. which is when somebody calls out the insanity that's all around us. Yeah. And if somebody just gets up and goes, we don't know what it's like to have wonder and mystery. We have lost all that. We like having information and just like for no appropriate reason other than we just collect stupid information. Right. You're, you're doing something – I mean there's a prophetic tradition of calling out the insanity – but the problem is if you just call it out, it's generally quite boring. The guy out in front with the sign, it's like, mm-hmm. ugh. Mm-hmm. But you when, – when I'm laughing, mm-hmm. I'm much more receptive to truths, yes. blunt, hard truths. Yes. And scary things, things you don't want to think Very about. Very scary. I'll go all sorts of places when I'm laughing right. that I won't go. Yeah. And so you um, – by the way, I had this fascinating conversation with Willie Williams who does all the U2 tours. Okay. He's the genius behind – all the sort of architecture and really? all that. And he said, you know my job. He started, I think, way, way early with them. So zoo tour, pop tour, all that. He said, my entire job is the exchange of energy. Hmm. That's the only thing that matters. That's so interesting. I'm into that stuff. It's fascinating. That's why I yeah. love One of the things that happened in my uh, spiritual – okay, so real quick. Spiritual, 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 married the first girl I slept with, 22 years old, very standard. For, wow. for a Gordon yeah, graduate, yeah. also a Gordon graduate, we get married. Married for seven, six, seven years. When I'm 28, I get divorced. Some people wow. go one way and they find God. Some people go the other way and they yeah, lose God. Yeah, at the bottom. I, I, I thought it was. Were uh, you out here then? No, this I was in New York. Mm-hmm. I was I was living in uh, Williamsburg, and I decided to uh, get rid of everything and just take an inventory. I didn't like go around being like it's all bullshit, but like I decided to yeah. recreate and just kind of dabble in other theories. I looked at like a room with furniture, and I had all the furniture that I had been given. And I moved all the furniture out. Wow! And just was yeah. kind of like, what would it be like to believe in nothing? And I took that. But when you're talking about architecture, that was one of the things was the coming back. To the faith, coming, being honest to my own mm-hmm. spiritual interests is a beautiful thing. I, I realized that I had hardened my heart, which is a big Bible thing, and I was like closed off to it, and I was resentful and angry. But then, like even going to like a church 
And instead of enjoying the energy, the exchange of energy, and like holy architecture and all that sort of, or sacred architecture, and looking at how that flows through the pews and up into the whatever kind of church it is, you're robbing yourself. If you go into a church and you're like, this is all bullshit, why can't we just enjoy these beautiful windows? Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's a hard place to be. Wow. So that that's like 28. You have this yeah. sort of take all the furniture out and then gradually yeah. sort of come back around or whatever you'd say. Yeah, no, there there is a little bit of a I'm I'm not I, I can't over butter your bread. There's been there's been a, a <laughs> there was a loss of it and a, a real dabbling in um recreational atheism. I, I enjoy yeah, the sure. certainty of an atheist. Uh, yeah. Most of the people that come on the show are atheists. Uh, a, a large portion of the audience is atheists. It takes tremendous faith. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoy, I, I get inspired by it. You know what I mean? Most of them we find are agnostic atheists. You know, when you push them a little bit, they'll, yeah. they'll be like, there is a chance that I'm wrong, but it, the evidence seems to point to this or this or this. Uh, we can certainly speak to that. Um, but, you know, and I know you have a lot of thoughts on the artistic process. That pain of getting divorced is what gave me something to say. Yeah. That was really essential. It ended up being yeah. a tremendous gift. There's no there's no Conan without that. You know what I mean? There's no... Right. Career, the career wouldn't have not not have done as well, certainly without but that But what pain. would be an example of of content? Do you think of, like, are there specific bits that you think I never could have said that if I yeah. wouldn't have gone through that? I just didn't know what I stood for. I didn't know I, – mm. I've said this on the show before, but I didn't know what pain was. And then my job is kind of like a, raging a, a war against pain, but I didn't know what I was fighting. And then once I got a little taste of darkness, I was like, oh, life can be really bad. Yeah. It can be rough. And, and we're, we're fighting a good fight. You know what I mean? So, like, let's keep going with that. And, and it made it urgent. It gave yes. it some urgency to the message. You know, and – um. Cosmology, they talk about how they believe 96% of the universe is dark matter. It's unknown. Yes. Only 4% is really known. But that the 96% is in some way sort of the engine of life of the universe. But yeah. they don't quite know how that works. Yeah. Um, so there's this sort of unspeakable, ambiguous darkness that I... is in some strange way a source of life. Yes. And when you are no longer – there, most people live with a binary consciousness. There's good and bad. Mm -hmm. there's, there's dark and light. And so basically life is just those two battling each other. Mm -hmm. But darkness is actually simply the absence of light. Mm -hmm. And when you begin to move to you can find God in all of this. Hmm. Um, and the Christian story to me is deeply compelling because this God shows up in all the good stuff. This God is – the cross is this God showing up. It's like the presence in the absence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So for many people, there's a binary, God's good, if there is a God, and then there's this bad stuff, and we live our lives not really knowing what to do about this bad stuff. Right. Um, that's where he, that's where just God was asleep. Sort of, where, yeah, stuff. and so you have all these sort of theories that all just sound like they're trying too hard. Yeah. Um, but this story sort of comes in and says, we're going to tell you a story about a God who actually enters into the worst possible stuff without really any answers, just sort of hangs there, well, that's, literally. Well, that's your quote. <laughs> that's your quote and, where he says Christ on the cross was him saying, me too. Yeah, yeah. Did. A friend of mine is – you would love him on the show, by the way. This Irish philosopher talks about the day God became an atheist. Ah. So the Christian faith, which often is seen as this sort of triumphant, conquer everybody, uh, conquer, convert everybody in your path. Yeah. It actually 
has these tremendous ways of talking about absence and darkness and yeah. pain. And well, that was something. Are you hip to? I'm sure you are. I'm, I'm sure there's nothing I know that you don't know. Again, just a compliment. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, when it comes to religion uh, or, or whatever you want to call this kind kind of conversation, Joseph, I have no idea what you're going to say. Joseph Campbell. Oh yeah, myths. Yeah, and the myths and all that sort of stuff. Well, he talks about how a lot of other myths, a lot of other belief systems, had much uh, a bigger embracing of God being present in the darkness. Yes, being like, oh, that's of course that's God. Why wouldn't that be God? Yeah. But then we kind of made God the good guy and the devil the bad guy, where you don't even really see the devil that much in the in the Bible. I mean, is he really showing up too much? Here and there, but yeah. he – there's all sorts of theories about what exactly that means. And there's obviously great evil in the world, and it can take on a tremendously personalized sort of local feel. Right. Um, but sometimes what we're talking about is our own – our own terror about what lurks inside of us. Mm. Instead, like you, instead of entering into it, we build these whole systems to keep it at bay. Like I'm, people terrified of their own doubts. So let's just make that person the heretic. Yeah. Let's just make that person the one who's outside the person who. Let's just heap it all on them. And then we don't have to deal with our own shit. Right. Well, I have to imagine. Well, what we're what we're dealing with with a lot of religion is simplifying things down to a pretty basic place. God said it, I believe it, that does it, that sort of thing. <laughs> so when you show up and you really upset people, like people love talking I about... I know not of what ye speak. Uh, you gotta <laughs> go online or something. I actually, I actually haven't read any of your hate literature. Good rules not to Google your name. I know. I don't read reviews and you shouldn't read reviews either. I'm just ba- based on how upset people get if you take away their hell, which is the first thing... That I fell in love with your work for. <laughs> I went to Israel. Which I don't even really do, but yeah. No, I understand. No, I, I paid attention. Yeah. <laughs> you read the book. I read the book. <laughs> I read the book. Yeah, right. And I, I've spent a lot of my adult life studying hell. Hell was the thing. Uh, oh, right. When people, when people taught me about uh, Christianity and heaven and hell in this very standard uh, Western understanding, I couldn't get over the fact that you're telling me that millions and millions and millions and millions of people are burning currently the eternal torment hell. Yes. Like Could- this this God somehow has to keep this up mm-hmm. for finite things done in the body. The only way this somehow cosmically is rectified is if this God just never stops abusing and torturing. The things he made. Out of – because, and this is a reflection of this God's goodness. Yeah. Huh? People love saying that. I remember what? One, one of the guys said to me, he said, hell is a monument to God's uh, justice, sense of justice, and that the devil doesn't rule hell. It's a crap monument. God, I know. It's a di- no, nobody wants to go. You have what? to go. You're forced to go to the monument. And that the devil doesn't rule hell. God rules hell, and he delights in it. That, I, I remember my specific friend telling me about how God enjoys watching people suffering for denying him, that that's his Netflix. <laughs> you can it, use that. <laughs> you, you, like, but think think about how many. <laughs> think about the psychologically devastating impact of that. Yeah, like how many, how that just like crushes the soul. Yeah. Well, you bring uh, up the wonderful counterpoints. You start at a very interesting place, which is well, what about children? Which is, anybody can get on board there. Like, what's the age? And it yeah. turns out that in medieval yeah. times, you must know about this. People that would want to kill themselves in medieval times would murder a child because a child goes to heaven and they can't kill themselves or they'll go to hell. So they'll murder a kid so they'll be sentenced to death. So they go to heaven like a, a catch twenty two on God. What? 
Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. That's my whole point. The and there's a divine being somewhere going, ooh, good one. That's I have a bit about this on my new hour. Oh, really? Okay. My new hour is called Nice Try the Devil. It's even in the title. And and the idea is that I knew girls at Gordon that would have uh, wouldn't have vaginal sex. Sorry to be crude, but they would have anal sex. This is a phenomenon. You go to Utah. I play Utah. They say it's because they rampant. are playing by the rules or something. They're playing by the got rules. It. And the joke is essentially the joke you just made, which is that God's going to be like, Ah, you got me. Like, what kind of idea is this? Why are we down here trying to trick the Burger King king up up on a cloud? Right. And we're trying. He said, "Don't have sex," but sex is so great. I want to have sex, so I'll just have. Oral sex, I'll, we'll dry hump. The Christian community is the biggest dry humping community I've ever seen in my life. I was dry humping when I was 28 years. You know what I mean? Not 28, but up until I was 22, dry humping. Big deal. People doing it. Because you can't dance. It really gets me quite worked up. Okay, this is <laughs> – it does. I know. <laughs> now, I think actually this is really um, – because the preacher in me, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first series of teachings – I sometimes wonder if what he's doing over and over again is going, okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to give you a better understanding of God. Yeah. So like he does this whole rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Well, in the ancient world, rain in an agricultural setting was how things grew. That's how you ate. So rain was a good thing. Uh huh. But everybody, there was the good people, the bad people, the in people, the out people, the righteous, the unrighteous. Everything was divided up. And so when he says, I'm telling you about the God who causes it to rain on the righteous, this God does good to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally like he's trying to reach into the psyche and go, okay, we got to do serious surgery here. Right. I'm trying to shape your heart so that the right thing naturally brings you joy. Like I'm, I'm trying to actually help you tap into the stream where when you swim in that, then all of this sort of minutia and rule keeping tra- is all rooted in I don't want God. There's a God who's just waiting to crush you. Hmm. Unless you like, so it's all just maneuvering. It's like rearranging. That's what my mother said that really moved her was the idea that she admitted to herself that she's been afraid of God. You're, and thank God Jesus is here so he can calm down drunk dad. Exactly. He sort of shows up, and, and even the sort of the New Testament God is less grumpy. Yeah. It's a sort of commonly held thing, yeah. which is just a terrible story. It's not it's, good it's a, news. It's a horrible story. And the bad news. idea that, yes, correct. <laughs> If this is good news, then we're really in trouble. Shouldn't people be drawn to it? That was one of my favorite sermons was that Christians are supposed to be salt and light. And people are drawn the, to both of those things. We, that adds flavor and it adds illuminance. Yes, this should, this should be about a vision of life that is so compelling you naturally want to pres- – I want to be a more generous person. Yeah. I want to have less bitterness about people who have wronged me. I want, to be, I want to get better at forgiving. I want to live with less worry. Yes. Like this very straightforward – I want to trust that there's a larger being than me running the show, yeah. and this being can be entrusted, and somehow suffering and all of its inexplicable horror is in some way will be retold. The last word hasn't been spoken. Things can – like this This should be how we think about these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Instead of it becoming dry humping. Instead of it either A, how can we maneuver around the rules, which right. is all based on somebody somewhere – who can't wait to, or um, it's basically like Dallas Willard calls it sin management. Mm-hmm. Like what's the system that sort of helps me do it? It's all, it's all the wrong questions. Well, that was that was something that was uh, carved. It's still there. I went to my old camp. I went to a Quaker camp. I went to a Quaker school and then a Quaker camp. And on my bunk, there, someone had written, uh, sex is evil, evil is sin, sin is forgiven, so sex is in. And I was like, that's exactly it. 
we've become these people that are, it's like the back of the board, uh, the board game, you know, you pick up Monopoly and all the rules are in there and you just look at it, but you're like, ah, we'll figure out a way around that because we're tired of paying tax. It's the stop fun tax. Exactly. As if this is, as if the best the creator of the universe can do is sort of help you avoid joy. Right. <laughs> but isn't there a politic to that? Like if, if you're a youth pastor. Yeah. And that's where I really got turned off that, that I'm with you, by the way. I'm with you. I'm like God. I'm with us. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not, just saying oh, I'm nice. quoting your book. Nice. I'm just saying I'm with you. I believe in grace, beauty, forgiveness. There, there's something in me that hums, also quoting yeah. you, when I hear these things. But Me what, quoting John, Jane Fonda. Yeah, I know. You quoting me quoting Jane Fonda. It's twice there. removed. I'm gonna, if we knew her, I'd be like, hey, Pete Holmes has been quoting you. I've been mocking you. <laughs> But the idea that in junior high, there's a political reason to say, here's a, here's a book of, of teachings, and it's about living life to the full, or it should be. It's about yeah. uh, having a, a connection with your creator yeah. and with your fellow man and loving yeah. your neighbor and uh, loving your enemy and all that good stuff. And then, but they go like, but these kids are boning. So we're going to make, mo- we're going to make the True Love Waits Bible. Remember that? There's oh, a True wow. Love Waits edition Bible. How many verses way, you know, are about? By the way, so far, you know way more about religion than I do. That's not so true. Oh, you've quoted I, more funny, I, weird I know Christian the, things. I know the things that you avoided that make you more beautiful. It's true. <laughs> I'm showing you some scars. I'm not proud of any of this. The True Love Waits Bible is an edition of the Bible that tries to point out at any chance in the footnotes how yeah. that applies to not having sex. I don't know how... Something that survived oral history. We can go into the lineage of Christ dying and when they wrote it and when it became yeah. the Rome's religion and all that sort of stuff. We're looking at a long time and a story surviving, and now it's being reduced to don't have sex, don't say fuck, uh, don't yeah, smoke, right. don't drink, uh, be a gentleman, be a phony, like everything. My youth pastor was the biggest phony in the world. It's a burden. Another thing I, I'm sorry, I'm doing a lot of talking. One of the things I love about you is you, you talk about your doubt. Why does a pastor, a man who's supposed to be an ambassador of truth, not allowed to express his full truth? Why does he have to be like, I love you, buddy? That was my impression of my, of my youth. Oh, yeah, he yeah. loved everybody. He hated me. I was a pain in the ass. I'm sure you had love for me, but I mean, like, he couldn't love everybody. Why can't they be three-dimensional people? And does he love you the day after he's fired? That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's certainly a condition. Okay, well, first love. off, I would say it's important. Your ex- some people have had your experiences. Some people have had great experiences. Hit it. So, so it's important not to universalize your particular Yes. Like you had a particular – so that must be how it is because um, there are some amazing people out there doing really, really fresh work. And they love those kids that they happen to be like the pastor of. Yeah. And they they actually do. Yeah. Um, so I've met a lot of people who just have a peer – I want to help kids navigate a really weird world we're li- living in. Right. And adolescence is more sort of crazy than ever. Right. Um, so – I, I've gotten to meet a number of people who are, I think, we need like a million more of them. Yeah. Um, and that's a beautiful thing. And that is can, a good thing. Um, there is an absolutely necessary stage of growth and proper human development where you learn about boundaries and you learn um, you you learn how to handle things in such a way that they do bring you the most joy. So it So there's freedom from – and then there's freedom for. Mm-hmm. And there's freedom from, I can do whatever I want, but we all have friends who OD'd on heroin. Mm-hmm. So apparently just freedom 
to be able to do whatever you want can also take you to some really, really dark places. So, mm-hmm. so to me, the more compelling thing with kids is just, hey, you have all this energy. What kind of world are you going to make? Hmm. And how do you create a vision of doing things in the world that are so compelling? You're not over here asking, can we do this but not this? Can we do this but not this? Mm-hmm. Because you're actually like – doing something about the global water crisis or you're making your city more beautiful right, through right, great right. art or you're making better music or you, he's proactive so that's the beautiful a, thing and i think a, there's a whole generation of people who somehow faith became defined by what we don't mm-hmm, do and that mm-hmm. is that is fuel you can scare the hell out of people give me the right lights and music you can get a room full of people to make all kinds of decisions and do all kinds of stuff. But we all know that once you like leave the Wednesday night gathering or whatever, whatever the Sunday, whatever it is, sure. there's actually living in the world. And the, the much, much more compelling thing is how are people shaped and transformed to live in the world in new ways. Right. So you have somehow through a series of experiences, this thing you do that makes people laugh that I can only imagine takes an unbelievable amount of work. You have this – there's a calling. There's a there's a thing you're doing here in the world which makes the world a better place, mm-hmm. uh-huh. which I think is rooted in who God made you to be. And um, I, I I believe that's this, – none of this is an accident. And um, it gets you up in the morning. Yeah. And for me, it was always like I need something to get me up in the morning because otherwise I'll just – I don't know what I'll do. Right. Um, and that's the, the compelling thing like with a youth – pastor let's go back to the youth pastor i do i also want to say i feel bad for calling him a phony i saw him have to be phony how how (laughs) well um how do you help kids sort through why they're here and what will get them up in the morning because everybody says the best when you find what you love that's the greatest gift yes and that's the really interesting thing some systems do some religious systems do create phonies it's the very nature of it there's a party line and everything is about the party line. It's mm-hmm. about the pro- – it's propaganda. And I actually think – I think you'd find this interesting. Religion can easily become an affirmation system, which is I come here. I put money in the mm-hmm. offering plate or whatever it is so that you then will tell me what I already believe, mm-hmm. which basically is that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you deviate from that script, uh, what do we do? Right. Like you, you, we then, ha- then have concerns about your – theology or you're going off the rails or you've been seduced by the modern age or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. But the truth is the way that we grow, the way that we actually become better people is through disruptions. Mm -hmm. Um, Our affirmation system isn't reaffirmed. We hear something that we haven't heard before. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, I can go – I can go sit each week and listen to somebody tell me what I already know, and then I say, oh, good, I heard the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we all feel really good about ourselves because we heard whatever our tribe has decided are the three things or the seven things. The greatest hit sermon. The greatest hits. Yeah. And then the system remains perfectly intact. Yeah. And then we come back next week, and it's like a closed feedback loop. Right. Um, But we actually – so in the name of this message, it actually anesthetizes us inoculates us from actual growth because mm-hmm. I'm the same person. I haven't had to hear anything. Mm-hmm. Um, growth actually happens with a disruption mm-hmm. where somebody comes in and goes, America is 6% of the world's population and we have 43% of its weapons. What the, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Huh? 
or or a, a cause close to your heart is the water crisis how easy or somebody it? goes in yeah, yeah yeah exactly so somebody comes in and goes listen um and that's actually the heart of the christian faith is a disruption hmm. it comes into this world and says it, it, in in real space and real time i mean the jesus message got him killed because it was about justice it was about equality it was about those on the underside it was about those who've been kicked to the edges mm-hmm. all the stuff that we all go yeah that's that is an injustice we we should do something about that right it's got the worst in many for many people it got the worst branding for many people the very things at the heart of the christian message are almost the antithesis of it in yeah. american culture yeah which people like you and i are trying to change we are trying to change that's it right there i haven't prayed in a lo- like a traditional heavenly father prayer i prayed today i really did i was like <laughs> don't let me ma-. i said don't let me fuck this up cuz i talk there's something where i go God knows my heart. He doesn't care if I swear. Like, he knows me. He hears me swear all the time. You know what I mean? Like, so I was very honest with him. And, and, and it, was, it was kind of an interesting moment. But I'm with you. Because here's, here's what – I had many thoughts while you were talking. One was you reference uh, – I think we have similar tastes in music. We both follow Jimmy Eat World on Twitter. <laughs> yes. And you reference Eminem. Hey, you should have um, – the drummer, Zach, is a friend of mine. Yeah. You should have him on the show. I'd have he's, him. He's – Absolutely fascinating. Is he? He'd be great. I'd love that. I yeah. love that. I t- um, one time he did. He and I did a thing at an event. Yeah. And he cut, walks out. We sat on stools, and I interviewed him. Yeah. There's like a thousand people there or something. Yeah. He comes out and he says, he says, yeah. When I grew up, I went to a youth group, and they showed this videotape called Hell's Bells, which is about how the devil's in rock and roll. Oh my God. And he says, and then I became a drummer. So I'm here today before you to tell you. That you can become everything you were taught to despise. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. That is wonderful. Only he did it way better than that. I thought that was great. That but is he fantastic. Is really, he has really profound insights. We watched about a lot of videos. Uh, that was I've told this story on the show before. Uh, faith comes up a lot, but one of the reasons I, I stopped going to my church, I used to go to church to placate my mother, even though she knew I didn't like that church. Mm-hmm. But I would go to that church, and then I stopped going because I ran into one of the pastors, one of the like associate pastors. And he like he like really strong armed me, and was saying it was so it was so it was such nonsense. It was like I, like he shook my hand and wouldn't let go. Strong arm, like mafia style. This is oh, it's not it's not a figure of speech. Yeah, actual he strong was, arm. He was yeah. using his strong arm and looked at me. This guy that I've known since I was like eight, and was just like I was just having an interesting conversation with a friend of ours uh, about how you could possibly be a, a comedian and be a believer. Something like that. And he was basically – he wasn't asking. He was saying, like, I don't think it's possible. Like, that that was the strong implication. And you were saying, actually, got. you have to be a believer to be a comedian. <laughs> well, you, you have to have faith in something. Yeah. It's such a daunting task. Are you looking for water? Yeah. I'll take some. Yeah. No, I wasn't, but – If you thirst. No, actually, the, that, the phrase of <laughs> – There you go. Living, Unusual biblical water. reference number yeah. nine. <laughs> I know. I can't stop. I see you. I start firing. Anyway uh, – that that was just a big moment for me that that made me go like this guy's like literally against me he like mm. the idea of maybe i am talking about sex or pain or 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 or, or whatever it is i it's it's compelling it's true i i you say something very much along the lines of like if it's true it's for god yeah, yeah. So what are we doing? Why does it have to just – and I know this is my experience. Why does it have to be buttoned down Sunday morning, New England, how's your father? Praise the Lord. Everything's good. Don't you like this? Don't you like – don't you hate that? You know what I mean? Homogenized, pasteurized, no drama, not, not, no, no conflict, no disruptions, no alarms, no surprises. 
Oh, good album. Nice. Great album. Great song. <laughs> great, and song. great album. Yeah, yeah. One time after a church service, a woman came up to me. She was in her early 20s. She said, I just have to tell you, I can't. For years now, I've had the sense that I'm supposed to be a stand-up comedian. I was like, okay, here's the deal. Please do – here's something you got to make a promise to me right now. She, she got all like serious. I was like, seriously, I'm dead serious about this. So she gets all sort of solemn. I said, yeah. please don't be a Christian comedian. Oh, God bless you. <laughs> so I, I turned to her friend. I was like, is she, is she funny? She's like, yeah, she's really funny. Yeah. I was like, okay, here's the deal. Just be a comedian. Yeah. You're a, you're a Christian. Right. And so you working this out is you want to make people laugh. Right. So just do that and throw – be as good as you possibly can. Be as good as you can. That – like throw yourself into it. That's the greatest way yeah. that you sort of give yourself to God in this. Yeah. But yeah. don't be a Christian comedian. The, the term when I was in college, Christian rock, was such a bad ministry. One person said it was like Americans playing soccer. No matter exactly how hard it tries, right. it's still a little bit like, huh? We were, and, and somebody was like, "Isn't this the worst thing? We're taking our word and branding it with with really bad stuff. Not mm. all of it, I guess. Mm. I don't want to put it all down, uh, but like, it's a, it's a bad ministry. It's a bad idea. Speaking of music, music, right? We're back to music. Okay. Yeah, we're we're we've back covered perfectly. one band in the past seventeen minutes. I know. Awesome. I here's my Christian experience, and I think I'm not alone. Uh, when I when I read listen to uh, Love Wins, you reference Eminem, and that going to an Eminem concert. Do you remember that? Oh, this is such a good show. Oh, I thought I was asking if you remembered writing it. Of course you yeah, did. Yeah, I know, I know, I knew what you're talking about. I'd love to talk about the show. I'd love to talk about Eminem at, at length. I'd love to talk I do about remember reading it, writing that, and I do remember going to the show. So we're good. okay, good, good, both good, we're good. And in, and in uh, <laughs> what we talk about when we talk about God, which I'm uh, halfway through, it's also just really blowing me away. You referenced Jay Z, one of my favorite Jay Z lines, which is, "I'm not a businessman. I'm a biz- oh, I'm a business so man." That is powerful stuff, and that that is moving stuff. I believe that that stuff belongs with God. You know what I mean? Like when when there's truth and pain, Eminem raps about a lot of really difficult things. Yes, in difficult ways. There, there's a horrible line that he says. It, it, it uses hateful language. God, I'm trying to be political. I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm quoting. He has that line in. Um, cleaning out my closet where he says my faggot father must have had his panties up in a bunch or something like that. Mm-hmm. That line stirs me so much more yeah. than any jars of clay song. You know what I mean? Like it gets inside of me. I know I'm actually not a fan of that word or whatever, but there's something about being so publicly angry at your father in that artistic way. I'm kind of like, Ooh, it, it gets to me in a way. Yeah. It strikes a nerve. It's solidarity. What do you mean? One of the most powerful experiences in life is solidarity when somebody when somebody stands with you. Mm. In the middle of the Bible are these is this collection of poems called Lamentations. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about these Hebrew poems is there there are five poems and it makes up what's called one book. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody ever talks. You rarely hear anybody talk about these poems. And what's really interesting is the poems don't mention God. There's one character who comes in in poem three, and it's like, hey, God's going to save the day. Mm, probably not. <laughs> Um, the poems are about the devastation of Jerusalem when all the people are hauled away to Babylon. So these people are sitting in ruins. Their city has just been absolutely ransacked. Yeah. King's eyes gouged out. Temple burnt to the ground. Everything that you know to be everything is torched and shattered. And the poems are about this back and forth between these people sitting in the midst of absolute devastation. Like at one point, the the woman says, does anybody see? 
Because when you get when you get screwed, when you get shafted, mm-hmm. the first thing you call your friend, you start telling them about how horrible it was. You don't actually want your need your friend to fix it. What you need is for your friend to say that must be tough. You, or when you went through a divorce, you're clearly married. That's 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 a lesson we learned from women. I but think. but like when you were divo- divorced and you were going through that pain, yeah. Y- you, you, I just want to reflect it back at me. Yeah, you're you, right. You wanted somebody to go, Pete. That must be like a living hell. Yeah. You don't even need them to fix it. Yeah. But there's that moment when somebody sees your pain, injustice, wrong yes. condition, and they just simply acknowledge it. And something within your – it's like almost your your cells go, <sighs> yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that this collection of poems, it's just people being brutally honest. At one point, the man says to the woman, your wound is as deep as the sea. Mm. Um, so why in the Bible – is this collection of poems that that God is kind of on trial? Mm-hmm. Like, how, where if there's a God, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. But yet, in the midst of these ashes, it's simply the back and forth of these people that has all of this extraordinary depth and passion and sorrow. So, how did this? Whoever came up with the Bible, whatever that committee met, mm-hmm. why did they include these poems? Unless that's the power of certain expressions Mm -hmm. is they don't give us any answer. They just vent. They just shake their tiny fists like antennas towards heaven. Godspeed you, Black Emperor reference. Uh. Um, (laughs) A little more obscure. Um, It is obscure. uh, There is power in that. So when Eminem, he is tapping in to something central to being human. Yeah. And to me, I always say the only faith that's worth having is a faith that can handle the full spectrum of human experience. Mm Mm-hmm. So what you are talking about is a faith that edited out the dark parts mm-hmm. um, and sort of glossed over um, – I did a doubt night one night when I was a pastor, literally invited everybody, uh, Wednesday night, 7, we're going to have a doubt night. And I actually didn't have any plan. And people came <laughs> and we handed out paper and pens and just said, write out your doubts. So people would – so this like picture like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people just writing out doubts and then they – we just collected them and we had to get like trash cans because there were just volumes. Right. And then I just stood there and just started reading them. <laughs> and like one of the first questions was um, I was raped and I was told that the religious thing to do was just to, to not acknowledge it oh, and move geez. on. Oh, wow. Um, like we're like one or two page sheets in, and that's that's where we're at with this. I hate um, to be the guy to follow that one with like, is God my friend? <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Like what do you think land. about the, will the apocalypse involve China or Iran? Um, <laughs> but what's interesting to that's me, very moving. It was one of the moving. most holy and sacred things I've ever experienced. And mm. people say, well, you're supposed to give people answers. Sometimes that is the answer. Mm-hmm. We're in this. We have each other. We right now have this moment. That's all we have. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the wisdom traditions at their core are basically the most enlightened people going, hey, we have this moment. We have each other. We have an abiding sense that in spite of all this insanity, we're going to be okay. Right. Um, it, it's, uh, there's, there's simplicity. But it, and then there's complexity. Mm-hmm. And then there's... <laughs> the simplicity after complexity on the other side of complexity. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the, that's the art. That's of it. the juice. That's the art of it. 
Yeah, well, you're making me remember that I, I, I really feel like that's what's being lost, at least somewhat in the in the faith that I knew was mm. it, it got it got boiled down to a book of answers. And I remember yeah. in my young brain that being pleasant. Is it okay to be gay? No. If you kill yourself, do you go to hell? Yes. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Uh, smile. You know what I mean? There were, like, <laughs> there were answers. There were answers. But a doubt night, I mean, that that's the real stuff. I like that a lot. I don't know why that got, like you said, edited out. There's, nothing, the to be, um, there's nothing to be scared of. A, a faith that's worth having in the modern world should be able to handle and absorb the full spectrum of human. Yeah. That this should be yeah, of course. Sometimes people just want to rage. Some people sometimes people are full of joy. Sometimes yeah. people are very certain. There are certain things where we go, that's wrong. We should right. do something about that. It violates what it means to be human. Let's get involved. Okay. Right. Okay, so here's here's my M M&M and M thing. And we can also just talk oh, we can yeah. also just talk like two guys about M M&M and M if you care to. I um so I read that and this is my lens, and, and you were right in pointing out that it's me. This is this is Pete Christianity. Yeah. It's not everybody's. But I read that, and I was like, if my pastor quoted Eminem, he'd be in trouble. You know what I mean? You can't reference Jay Z. You know what I mean? I sell kilos Why? of coke. That's the first you, the, in the in the couplet that you're saying. He also says, "I sell I sold kilos of coke." I guess I can sell CDs. I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. So some old white woman next week would hand that to you and be like, this is what you quoted in our church. And you're endorsing a guy who does say uh, words like the word I said earlier and fucking motherfucker. I, I would say actually that couplet. Yeah. This is a guy who says I used to hustle. Yeah. And I used to make a lot of money dealing drugs. But then I got some structure. <laughs> some discipline, and I put on a suit, and now I run an actual legit business, <laughs> and I like make music, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, seriously, I agree. Um, and we brought a basketball team to Brooklyn, right? And I am trying, in my own way, to make the world a better. That is, look where I was, and look at this unbelievable. By the way, what does Jay Z say when the when the band's really cooking behind him? He says, "Man, I'm about to have some church." Yeah, truth, church. Yeah, so good stuff. There is some sense in him. I, I begin with everybody created in the image of God. Yeah. So every human being in some way reflects the divine. And so you just have to keep looking. And you'll find all sorts of signs of goodness and truth and justice and peace. It's all in there. I just think what you're saying is revolutionary. I know I know you start off uh, Love Wins by saying, look, this isn't revolutionary. We've always been there. <laughs> you always will be there. And I'm I'm just happy to help get your voice in, in this small way out more because I think it's important. It's a sad world that I am distracted by you saying I was in an Eminem concert and being like, a lot of people I grew up with would like stop reading this book. Because okay, let, let's look at let's look at Eminem, okay? One a song that I love is that's that's a like a quote unquote bad song, you know a song Superman? Mm-mm. It, well <laughs> I don't know a lot of titles. I might know the Superman is uh is just about being, in my opinion, it's about he got divorced and now he's having a lot of anonymous sex and mm. how he doesn't have any regard for these hoes. That's, yeah, what, the, yeah, the, yeah. that's what the message of the song is. Yeah. Now, as a, as a someone who was divorced, he has a line where he goes like, single now, ain't no ring on this finger now. 
Uh, never let another woman bring me down in a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Save it, bitch. Uh, something, something, suck my dick. It's a mean song. Yeah, yeah, very mean. But mother, I felt that way. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. it's solidarity. I listen to that song yeah. and I turn it up. And I'm one of the friendliest people you'll meet. I bring Christmas. I have gingerbread. Do you understand? <laughs> I have an Afghan if you're cold. I'm... This is my. This is one of my ministries. I'm a good person, and sometimes I hear a song like that, and I go, "That's exactly how I feel sometimes." Yeah. yeah. And I don't like a faith or an understanding of God that strips us away. Okay, well, but yes, here's what you please. do. But here's what you are articulating. That song taps into something. That solidarity, that sense that somebody is stand or. Uh, Whatever that connection is, like, oh, my word, that's I felt that way before. Yes. That has tremendous power. But if it becomes unshackled with, so now what? Um, right. Some people are great at deconstruction. <laughs> they can point out everything that's wrong. Yes. Um, so I actually like to break it down in terms of you have pop music. Everything's fine. She loves me. Woo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of oblivious. <laughs> To how the world really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call me maybe. Yeah. Simple. Um, Sweet. Th- we, we have human trafficking going on right now in America, in this city that we're in. Okay? Yeah. Call me maybe. Yeah. Is, so it's it's shallow. It just skims <laughs> across the surface. It's right. this weird um, pop culture celebrity thing that we're seeing like explode around us. Like, look, so-and-so, she's at getting – star. she gets Starbucks like us. Right, right, right. Are you kidding me? So we have this sort of shallow, everything's fine pop. Then you have here we are now entertain us. You have the raging. Mm-hmm. Everything is totally jacked. We're all screwed. Um, <laughs> dark head like a hole. Yes, and that can be unbelievably powerful when somebody points out, especially if you've only lived here. Everything's fine. Here right. are all the answers. Everything's great. Right. Um, and and th- I call that Friday. That that sort of pain it can be extremely it can be extremely powerful it can be extremely galvanizing and it can create all the solidarity but the problem is there's this ancient rabbinic saying any old donkey can tear down a barn hmm. but it takes a special one to build one hmm. so it's easy to point out what's wrong with the system government education politics the music industry the movie industry you know like yeah sure then every once in a while there is this person who clearly sees how bad it is, mm-hmm. who gets all that pain and anguish and all that Eminem says, and they push through and say, it's a beautiful day. Don't let it slip away. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh. like in Little Miss Sunshine at the end, when the, the, the body – get on stage? The, and when the, at the very, after that, when the body is – they get on stage. Yeah. And then they that go out there. That part always makes me cry. And, oh, and then the body isn't in the car. Yeah. So you have people standing around, and they open up the hatch, yeah. and there's no body in the tomb. Yeah. Um, the only reason that scene isn't cheesy is because that scene in the beginning around the dining table, where we're in, it, we're meeting the characters, and it's so much despair. Yeah. It's like a that film can we can have liftoff at the end because they were willing to sit. In the unbelievable pain and despair of that dining room table, yeah. where you're like, where he's on the phone trying to get oh. his gig, right? I've only seen and the it camera's once. just like you're meeting the Steve Carell character, yeah. you're meeting the dad, the, the pathetic dad, <laughs> yeah. and, the, and you're just feeling this. Um, so 
the camera's reluctantly capturing it. Yeah, and it's like the it's it's almost like the storyteller is going, I know where I want to take you, but if I go there too fast, it will feel cheap. Yeah, and on or what's the um. Cronenberg with uh, Viggo Morrison, where he uh, history of violence. Yeah, at the very end when Another he comes movie in, the, I love. he comes in the kitchen and he sits down at the table, and that's all you get is he sits down. Oh, yeah. the reason why you and and somehow strangely that movie leaves you uplifted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. only because they took you through all this. So, um, I mean, obviously in the Christian experience, Friday, um, you have to go through Friday to have Sunday. We're talking about Jesus death dying to a resurrection. Yeah, um, and actually, why some modern religious art is so bad is it skips Friday and heads right to Sunday, which I think is what you're talking about. It you is know what I mean? Talking. It's and, it's, a, it's a little bit sunshine, but we just go to the tomb. Being. We just go right to the thing, and then yeah. want everybody go. Oh, and everybody's going, "Wait, yeah. I just got divorced. I just said right." But the flip side is, if you just camp out on Friday, yeah, that can be powerful. But it doesn't. It's just tearing down the barn. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So the, the the thing about the power of Eminem is he speaks and he exposes it and he calls it out and he takes his own deepest innards and he lays them out right. there. Right. But I would simply ask, then what? Okay. Then what? Then what are we given? But I think that's interesting. That's one of the things I think maybe that resonates with you with Eminem is is that he did kind of have this rebirth. The, oh. the album after that album oh. was yeah. all about how he's he's back and feel not just in that rapper i'm back way but like i should be dead and, and i have and my life as a gift and i have this moment and, yeah. well he has that song uh it's it's my least favorite song but it's the not afraid song and, the, yeah. and that is that is a very that is the that's the sunday song yeah that's the sunday song and when when people know that the artist or whoever's saying it has actually been through that then that kind of song becomes <sighs> right oh yeah so moving yeah. i don't see even I, I'm sorry to keep making this point, but if my pastor said he saw a history of violence, everyone people would have a problem with that. That's a very violent film. Oh, and yeah. that, isn't that Paul? It says we're supposed to focus on what's beautiful and just and right and good and all that sort of stuff. Was Paul talking about movies? I don't. I hope not, because I watched some pretty messed up movies. <laughs> well, I just assume... was Paul talking about movies. <laughs> also, to that, can I say? Who cares? That's my big. That's one of my big questions to you. Because well, I, I, first off, what you do focus on will shape you. So I think when he says focus on what's good, what's true, what's worthy, that is true. Product of like, your environment. Like you and I both know that you can you can move from an appreciation and a study of to a steady diet of, and then it starts to affect you. Yes. So so that just comes with basic sort of maturity and discernment. Right. But um, I just uh, he also says may the eyes of your heart be enlightened. So that's one of his main prayers to, and one of those letters is, "May the eyes of your heart be enlightened." Which is interesting because that's not "May the eyes of your brain." Yeah. May you, may you get it all intellectually lined up. It's may, may you see with the depth of your being in new ways. And so to me, that just means you'll be seeing, yeah. you'll be seeing hope and truth, and you'll be seeing patterns all over the place. That's one of your biggest things that I love. This is in your new book, What We Talk About When We Talk About God. <laughs> See, I can be like a radio show. My guest today is Rob Bell, author of a compelling new Today book. we're talking about what we talk about when we talk about God. <laughs> now, here's that, what I was thinking when I read. What here's what I was thinking when I read that book <laughs> was, look at me reading a science book. That's what I thought. I felt so proud of myself because it filled me with so much good physics and, and quantum theory and string theory and all that sort of stuff and considerations about three-dimensional living. And we, we had 
God is a part of every episode of the show. So I knew about Flatlands before you talked about it. Oh, yeah. Which was a great thing talking about, uh, for those of you that missed it on the Dimitri Martin episode, talking about what if we live in a two-dimensional world. And the, you give the example of The Ring. This isn't everything is spiritual, which is your movie. But he talks about just a circle appearing, a red circle. Yeah. And then he's like, what is that? And people are like, well, it's a red circle. And, and then someone's like, I think it's a ball bouncing. Ball? What are you talking about? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So you have a beautiful appreciation. And that that's sometimes how... My biggest – one of the biggest sources of my faith is the absurdity that I'm here at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I've said before – I hate – it's so weird to quote myself, but I'm trying to put it to you. Is I'm like the only argument for some sort of quote after You make life, it weird. I do. <laughs> no, that just... was good. That was good. <laughs> I know that's good. Uh, at least you know the name of the show. Uh, no one does. Uh, is uh, the biggest argument for some sort of after consciousness, mm-hmm. which I know isn't your focus, which I really love because everybody treats Christianity as a lot of people I know as an afterlife insurance policy sort of thing. You get past the bouncer. We'll talk about that later. But the idea that I was like, an afterlife makes as much sense to me as a life. What am I doing here? This is absurd. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And when you point out all the things in your movie, everything is spiritual, and then the God one uh, is kind of like the book version a lot of yeah, that, that whole of section that has a lot of the, yeah, yeah. But that stuff really knocks my socks off. I know. It's so you, – you say – you make a point about how like empty space – like most well, – atoms are like 99.9% empty space. And that if you put everything that is matter – Right. Which if you finish it, into one thing, it would be in a sugar cube. Is that correct? Yeah. They say that, that an atom is essentially 99.9% empty space. Everything's made of atoms. Yeah. That if you were to take all the empty space out of all the atoms in the universe, the universe would fit in a sugar cube. I, I mean what so are we doing? At- <laughs> Right. And when um, you talked about atoms leaving my body, the atoms that are in me. Yeah, so, so essentially this was the question for, for a long time is what are things made of? And if you could identify that smallest piece, like that cosmic Lego, that thing that is everything else is a combination of, well, you'd answer a bunch of questions. And yeah. so the Greeks had this idea of something that was atemno, something that was uncuttable, undividable, which is where the word atom comes from. Yes, yes. So that's like several thousand years of speculation. And then in the late 1800s, they developed <laughs> technology to actually – Just a few thousand identify years Identify yes. an atom. yes. So they define and identify an atom. Got it. But then they realize actually an atom has some smaller components. Then they develop even new technology, newer technology, and they realize actually the things that make up an atom, those can be split. Mm -hmm. Those are made up of smaller particles, subatomic particles. Mm -hmm. Then they're like develop more um, greater technology and realize actually you can take apart those particles. So now they're at like somewhere around 150 subatomic particles have been identified, oh which to me if you're not laughing already <laughs> um, and that what they discovered is that a, an atom <laughs> is made up of these trillions and billions of little pieces that are coming and going from the atom. So they've identified subatomic particles that come into existence for like a millionth of a second and then go out of existence mm-hmm. and they don't know where they come from and they don't actually know where they go. And they've just discovered that a subatomic particle disappears in one place and appears in another place without traveling the distance in between. Mm-hmm. That was the first sort of what? Um, and then there was actually what a particle does is it travels every possible route from point A to point B and only identifies when, when it's Heisenberg. which route it's taken when it's observed. observed. So The Heisenberg principle comes up on this show because oh, yeah, yeah, our yeah. conversation is different because we know it's being observed. Yes, Sometimes exactly. with the guests afterwards, I'll be like, let's go get lunch. And that's when weirder things come out. But yes, <laughs> but yes, 
<laughs> Isn't that a funny application of such a brilliant principle just on conversation? But yes, it's fantastic. So you start watching these subatomic, sub, 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 subatomic, I can't talk, atomic particles, and they're violating the laws of physics. Yeah, which is why, actually, this is where Einstein's God doesn't play dice thing. Is I don't know that. What does that mean? Einstein said God doesn't play dice. Hmm. This was Einstein observing sort of what the pioneering, his friends, these pioneering quantum theorists were discovering, going, wait, 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 wait. Because in the, in the modern world, pre sort of the quantum revolution, we are so influenced by Newton, which said there are these very straightforward laws that undergird the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So an object of motion stays in motion. So motion is continuous and predictable. It's here, then it'll be here, then it'll be here, then it'll be here. Things don't disappear and appear somewhere else without traveling the distance in between. Mm -hmm. So literally Einstein couldn't come to terms with, at the smallest level, the universe has a fundamentally unpredictable dimension mm -hmm. to it. And so these atoms, which are these essentially this desk here that the microphones are resting on, is solid wood. We've taken apart the wood. Ultimately, we would get down to these cells and get down to the atoms, and right. the atoms are essentially patterns right. of energy That's what blew me away, that yeah. are in relationship. So the core of the universe is energy flow in relationship, right. which is just... <laughs> <laughs> I know. See, that's the thing about it is you appreciate it. I'm not making... This is not like some... Yeah. This is like science. Right. And it's interesting to me how many people studied quantum <laughs> physics in high school or college and we're like, wow, I remember studying that. Who is teaching this and not pausing yeah, every yeah, once in a while yeah, just to go? Yeah. What is happening? Right. Well, we, we did, so that, great. that's where Call Me Maybe comes in handy. It helps us take our mind off of the fact. Some people yeah. are uncomfortable, as I was, when you, you taught me the idea that, you know, if you bought your grandfather's boat. I'm sorry to hack your book. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just saying you're, you, oh, give, right, right, right. you give me a boat and then it's an old boat. And then I, over the years, I replaced the floorboards. And uh, and then let's say over ten years, I replace everything on the boat slowly but surely. I'd still invite people on the boat and be like, uh, you know, Rob Bell gave me this boat. It's not the boat anymore, but right. it is the boat. Yeah. I identified as yeah, the boat. Yeah. You're saying that's the same with me that my skin regenerates every, every seven year, nine uh, years. Yeah, every nine years you get new everything. Uh, skin. Your body regenerates every twenty eight days. You get all new skin, which is where we get. I'm a big. I love meditating and trans. These people. Some people want to harness energy and get in control with whatever's regenerating them and like slow down aging yeah. and that sort of stuff and be like yeah. something inside of me is giving me an order to give me a cataract and I'd like to go in there and be like uh, stop you know right. what I mean that's what They'll a lot of not, not all I'm not saying these people that meditating are, are as narcissistic as I am but that would be one thing that I'd be interested in but it's, it's just weird and then the idea that atoms are in you and coming into me and and leaving you and, and stuff that I'm made of used to be yeah. Jesus and stuff that used to be Mars <laughs> Used yeah. to be these atoms are coming and going. So um, some call some have called it a waterfall. The, a waterfall has a shape and form to it. Yeah, and yet that shape and form is never the same ne molecule second of water. To second, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that this just to me takes me back to the mystery of a human being is your physicality is constantly coming and going, and yet you can you remain. Yeah, I'm Pete. here. I insist. That we I'm all Pete. agree that you are Pete, <laughs> and I insist, and, you, and you're not becoming like more and more a turtle. Right, right, right. So somehow these cells that are coming and going still, they're made of matter, and yet there's memory that keeps making more of you. Right. And to me, why that's so compelling is, first off, the whole, like, the, the, there cannot be a God because I can't see God. Mm -hmm. One of the central problems of the modern world, I would argue, is we don't know what to do with consciousness. Mm. Like, you 
are both you are not present in your elbow, which I talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. What do we do with that? Mm-hmm. And so when the, the hardcore materialist, which says, I think it's interesting that the atheists on your show generally move towards more of an agnosticism is because when the hardcore materialist says this is all there is, mm-hmm. the problem is our very ability to say and reflect upon that is not present in any way we can actually tangibly identify or measure. You mean our con- our consciousness? Our consciousness, yeah. We can't really lo- – and just to say, well, it's synapses or it's chemicals in the brain. Right. It's like on Breaking Bad. Do you watch Breaking Bad? Oh, oh my goodness, yes. Remember when he's it. breaking down uh, the makeup of a human body and he's like, but we're missing 0.003%. And then he's like, is that the soul? Is that – I mean we can't account right. for everything. The thing that is the thing that we all go for sure exists is the thing that we know less about than ever. Yeah. And Steve Jobs or somebody was supposed to sort of fix this. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> – you know what I mean? That was his final thing. Like, that was the thing we were taught. Is yeah. We all grew up in the modern world, and we were taught, given enough time, we put a dude in the moon. We're going to cure cancer. We're going to figure this thing out. Right. But we are, at this moment in history, it almost feels like farther than ever from getting our minds around our minds. Yeah. To a certain degree. Right, right, right. So the idea of a divine being, the idea of transcendence, the idea – there are weirder things. Um and even the idea of let's take what's one's easy, really easy punchy bag. Oh, miracles. Oh, we're too sophisticated for the idea of miracles. Right. Um, and the sort of modern, are you, you still believe that fairy tale stuff? That's crazy. Sure. Yeah, but you have like cell, you have like particles in your body that are disappearing in one place and appearing in another place without traveling distance in between. Right. So if you're going to talk about weirdness. Right. Or if you cut one of those particles in half and you rotate it. Right. You half of it in other. New York and half of it in San Francisco. So <laughs> you rotate when you rotate it. Yeah. So actual science is endlessly digging up all sorts of stuff that's way weirder right. than um, miracles. Some say, well, you know, you can't, like, intervention into this world is, okay, well, this world is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it's sort of, it's got weirdness all over it from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So I think what you're going to see, and for many people, the problem whenever you start being open then to the idea of God or spirituality is for so many people, there's, it's, oh, yeah, now we're talking about Oldsmobile. Right. Like I can't do that. So that's actually that's what I've given my energies to is there are ways to talk about this that don't put you in crazy town. Right. Um, or an old outdated car. Yeah, yeah. That fully embrace science and intellect and logic. It's right. just the most reasonable thing I would argue is to leave some room for that which doesn't fit in those categories. You know, I, I remember reading that, and I wrote this note in my book. It, and I, I don't really fully uh, support what I'm about to say, but <laughs> you talked about, like, uh, if it's true, it's with God, and that was just so lovely. The, this whole writing off of any other religion, thinking oh, that yeah. any monk or whatever, a Buddhist is yeah, just yeah. full of baloney. Uh, but I remember writing down, I was like, I've heard people make really interesting arguments for uh, non-monogamy, saying that he, human beings aren't supposed to be monogamous. Mm. Um, some of the more interesting ones that a, a woman's orgasm is loud and that's to attract other suitors. It, there are interesting things you could get into a real wormhole online. But the idea that like uh, people get married and that seems like an unnatural institution. I know you're mm. pro-marriage. Uh, but if there's truth in that, does that belong to God? What if, what if we start getting to like weirder areas? Well, uh, first off, a lot – this is the endless tension between – Culture, cultural institutions and customs and a, a wedding ceremony is – what is that, European? Mm-hmm. Why, did, why did people wear a wedding ring? You know what I mean? Yeah. You, can, you can locate all this in space and time. Yeah. 
Like that came about at this time. That came about at this time. Right. Um, well, that's one of my favorite arguments is that we're using a really ancient thing based on when people used to live to 35. Yes. And it wasn't even assumed until somewhat recently that a man would really be faithful. That, that yeah, became later. And let's take adolescence. When, you, when she turned 13 and when her body was ready to go, then she married. Right. And he was a couple years older. Like let's take 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. He was a couple years older simply because he had apprenticed so that he could ma- – had a little bit of – Going so that he could support her. Yeah, like a mason Um, or something. But like marriage had very real – in an agricultural setting, it had very real reasons why you got married. Biologically, um, once your bodies were like, let's go, then you did it. Partly because old age was 40. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you needed more people to help around on the farm. Yeah. Now – You're making employees. We ha- Yeah. So <laughs> – so, this was connected with with farming. This is connected with trends in agriculture. This is connected with technology. This is connected with the invention of the plow. I mean, like you have um, – so these things that get sort of labeled as this is God's way come out of very real human exploration, adapt, adaptation, mm-hmm. evolution, and mm-hmm. the way society moves. So think about right now, adolescence is a relatively new idea. Now a kid's bodies are like ready to go. And we don't, people are marrying now at like, what, 25, 28, (laughs) 32. Um, So we have created all of this, things have shifted. There's a new chapter in life. Yeah, there's a new chapter. And now you have people who graduate from college and then move home because they can't afford, as opposed to 18, you leave home, you go to school and you keep going. Right. All of this is based, I mean, it is economics, it is... uh, geopolitics it is mm-hmm. technology there's all of this that yeah. is shifting and changing constantly a friend of mine last night was talking about how few women there are in china it's literally like because they women weren't raised right you now have like i think it's one to five young chinese women for chinese men so like chinese men are like there aren't enough women to marry because of policies regarding family growth, et cetera. Oh so what does like 95 million young Chinese men do when it's time to get married? I mean, like you have... What do they, what do, and, they do? <laughs> exactly. But this is because of policies from, like, yeah. what, 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. Now creating this unbelievable... I just see this huge in, waiting room filled with Chinese guys. Just like, right, right. And then you have like mail order stuff and you have like, it just gets crazy. Yeah. So all of this is... Really, it's it's got all sorts of layers of culture and stuff right. attached. But to you it. like you like marriage. You're into it. I you're a pro marriage guy. Um, I am absolutely crazy about my wife. Well, that's great. So you're I pro mean, we, your own we're, marriage. We're about to celebrate 19 years. Congratulations! And um, it's been like really great. That's great. Like she's real. I really married way out of my league. <laughs> so I know probably you know people gushing about their marriage is slightly annoying. Yeah. But I really, Not on really, this show. <laughs> she's like a really, really amazing human being. Great. She's really, really funny. What does she do? She, like, um, we have three kids. Yeah. So she does all that stuff, and then yeah. she sort of organizes some of – I create lots of stuff, so she sort of organizes yeah, a yeah, bunch yeah. of stuff that otherwise we'd be in trouble. <laughs> and she's got serious wisdom. You'd love her. It's like, it's like serious wisdom. Really? She She's not impressed with any – Hype. She's not impressed with. She has this really like. Give me the real thing. Is there significant content there? Um, she moves very slowly, and she can like read <laughs> people. 
Oh, she's she's introverted. She's very inter- in- introverted. Uh-huh. So, like, you go to a party, she won't, like, work the whole room. It, like, so you will have met everybody there. She will have met three people. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, she'll say, so-and-so is just really, really angry. And you'll be like, what? No, he's totally. And you find out three weeks later, oh, yeah, so and so's really, really angry. Oh, my God. Like, she seriously I love that type has of, this uh, extraordinary person. sense of where where people are at. Um, mm-hmm. She's very, yeah, she's amazing. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So you found the right person. Yeah, we seriously have more fun than ever. That's great. It's, it's really, really great. And then, but in general, uh, you know, you're famously, I guess that's true, uh, pro-gay marriage. Yeah. I mean, which I... Famously. <laughs> I, I mean, look, if somebody is looking... I'm, I just realized in this interview that, or this conversation that I'm assuming people know this. Here's what people probably don't know about you is that you're, you're not hung up on hell. We've kind of covered that a little bit. Uh, and hell in the traditional sense. I'm talking about... Okay, yeah. You died, you didn't have Jesus, you burned forever. Yeah. That sort of thing. We can talk about that more, too. I'm I endlessly interested in that. And the other thing is that you're, is that you're okay with gay people. You know Tony yes. Campolo? I know he is, yeah. He had that great quote where he was like, Tony, I, get a lot of, I get a lot of flack because I, I'm soft on the gays. What am I supposed to be? Hard on them? It didn't make any <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? I'm supposed to, like, rail against them and be mean? But that's revolutionary. A lot of people listening probably are assuming, this is my friend, he's a pastor. They go, oh, he's in the way between my two gay friends getting married. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah, no, I'm not the right. enemy. But you're not. I'm for fidelity. I'm for commitment. I'm for people not being alone and having someone to go through life with. Right. Yeah. Well, I th- there we go. <laughs> you, you see, it's so commonplace. You know, you're just like, yeah, what's the big deal? But those are the people with the signs outside of your outside of your lectures. Those yes. people don't want gay people getting married. I do have protesters. By the way, by the way, I get protesters when I go speak places. Yes, this is one for you particularly. I'm speaking in a city that shall remain nameless, just for fun, because it's always fun to say that. Does and it I rhyme show, with? So sometimes Seattle? when I show up, we're wondering. Um, sometimes we'll laugh. Like, I wonder if there'll be protesters. Yeah. Guy out front on the sidewalk with a sign, believe in hell, not Rob Bell. Oh, my God. Why do people want their hell so bad? They love it. It's so, <laughs> okay, here, it's so here. threatening. Let's go. Let's, um, let's take that apart. Yes. I'd love to. Here's why. I, here's why I think. I think there's a good thing in there, and I think there's a destructive thing. Mm. Here's the good thing. Um... The world is really screwed up. Massive poverty, water, right. HIV, etc. Right. Um, so first off, I begin with we can we are capable of making very destructive choices that can really screw the world up. And the environment. Let's just talk about the environment. Let alone all the thing like we're really hanging on here barely. Mm-hmm. Um, there is our choices do matter. And we are capable of creating tremendous destruction. Mm-hmm. So I begin with when people talk about how uh, – let's just start for, – forget when you die. Right now, we have a lot of hells on earth. Um, so I actually think the guy with the sign talking about hell when you die, in the book, I simply talk about let's, – let's, it seems like the people who talk about hell when you die seem to talk the least about hell right now mm-hmm. um, and the hells on earth we have right now and our – human duty to do because this is all temporary who cares every yeah and i i I mean jesus began with his followers are the ones who take thirsty people water (laughs) yeah and visit people in prison and take the hungry food and um the naked clothing so he sort of turned the whole i mean he's like listen my people are the kind of people who who see the divine in every interaction 
and do what they can about the suffering in the world. Mm-hmm. So, so I think so, sometimes that impulse can have a urgency about the power of our decision. Secondly, to me, there is good in God gives you this unbelievable gift. Like you don't know why you're here, but you have some – your work and making people laugh and doing this show and who you are in the world is – it somehow flows out of a sense of gratitude for you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Some sense that there is joy to be had and life is a gift that matters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you also have the capacity to say no and shut down. Mm-hmm. Nah, um, I'm not going to try and give a gift to the world. And that create that does create a sort of hell. Right. You know, Iso- so, isolation. Yeah, yeah. All those um, – so there is a way in which we create all sorts of hells right. by saying no to this gift. Well, that's, that's the great message of your book is, is you can – heaven yeah. and hell are here and you can have as much of you want. Yeah. So, so to me, it's it, – I, I, I appreciate you saying like traditional sort of popular conceptions of hell because hell is a strong word that does – we do create all sorts of hells for ourselves and for others. And, and then thirdly, I would say if we're looking for the good and the guy with the hell sign <laughs> – um, because we're trying to do that for some reason. Um, there is a sense in which, uh, that I like a Hitler. Mm. There, there is a, Hitler always comes up. Yeah, in Hitler does, and I think it, I, I think it it comes up because of some sense. How, uh, I think it is honoring human suffering. Yeah, um, Madoff. These moments when people are life. All of their resources, whatever these, when people really truly wrong people, and that can be anywhere from a one-on-one to like really large systemic wrongings, right. all the way to killing and concentration camps. Right. I think there is some, there is a hardwired human desire for justice, mm-hmm. and how that, how that is held in tension with God's love and grace, is an, a, a mystery we could talk about forever, but. Sometimes I think when people are talking about hell, they're just saying, wait, that was wrong, and you can't tell me that doesn't matter. Right. Um, so I think it's – I'm reminded of uh, when I was a kid and we uh, – I'm from Boston and, and a child was, was murdered mm-hmm. sort of thing. They couldn't find him. They found the body and then they caught the guys. And I remember we went with all it was like a, it was like a little mission trip. We were going to go and just support or whatever Christians are supposed to do. I'm 17. I don't know what I'm doing. And I get there and I remember they were signing a petition for the death penalty and that was really hard. It was a hard moment for me. I didn't know what to do. I don't remember what I yeah. did, to be honest. And I was just kind of like, I get it. I, I see somebody with tears in their eyes being like, sign this. We want to kill these these bad people. Right, right. And I see that. And and those those are the conversations I have where people go like, well, they're in hell now. You know what I mean? Like the enjoyment um, right, which is no, which. If you at all are interested in what you'd call God's heart, it would always seem to be restoration, a turning of the heart. Yeah, people who do horrible things. Well, it's like uh, making amends. However, what's that, that works. Sean Penn movie? It's uh, with Susan oh, Sarandon. Oh, Dead Man Walking. Dead Man where Walking. She says, and the family of the girl yeah. are furious with her because she's been meeting with Sean Penn. Yeah, and they yeah, sit yeah. down with her, and she's like, "I was just trying to do what Jesus." Right, right. I know, but it's difficult. Sometimes people just want a more ass kicking Jesus. They want they yeah, want right, right, throwing right. in furnaces and, and, and stuff. And there is an impulse in there that I think is you you cannot 
brush over that sort of evil destruction, death, mm. um, murder, and sometimes hell is a way of people going, okay, this was wrong and it matters and there has to be some sort of justice right. here. Um, how exactly that plays out or how that – where Hitler is, I have no idea. Right. Um, I like that answer. But – I do know that to skip – hey, God loves everybody, so just everybody just come on into heaven because it's a party. Right. There has to be – if the universe is even remotely just, whatever that looks like. It can't just – you have at that point have a lot of questions to ask about wars and suffering and trafficking and abuse and all that. Right. Um, and so sometimes I think people – And hell to pay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I, so it's not like – the it, but but above it all, the real question is what is God's like, and you can you can hold on to hell in in these sorts of ways that are important, and you're not um, impugning God mm. with all of this sort of God just can't wait to torture. No, God's heart is broken more than anybody else's. Yeah, um, God's desire, I would say, is always restoration, renewal, repentance. Mm. Um, if you take a a loving heavenly father, earthly father who this kid is going to be grounded because of what they did. The f- father's like, I have to discipline you, but it is all because I love you and I want you to be better and learn from this and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the thing that we go, wait, wait, wait. When that person's talking about hell, they're talking about a God who is really bad. Mm-hmm. There's no larger thing going on. It's just takes delight in them suffering. That's not interesting. Yeah, especially the guy that like – that that was always that was the beginning of the destruction of my idea of of a traditional yeah. hell was was the the good Hindu. the god behind it yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that yeah that also too but that it wasn't until I read your book that I realized just how much of my life I spent being afraid of yeah of right this bully god right right this terrible rigged system I think you have lots of people sitting in churches who are doing all the right things and they're like making sure that they're doing it this way and not this way yeah <laughs> the back not the front yeah she said yeah um, yeah. Like tr- just trying to get through, uh, uh, and the truth, <laughs> the, but I, but ultimately, God is just a malevolent prick. Yeah. Ultimately, if you really, because I, as a pastor, having had conversations, if you really bore down at the end of the day, it isn't gratitude for this gift. I can't even put words on. Right. It's, the universe at its core, at its deepest level, is a place that's deeply suspect. It may even be terrifying and yeah. awful. And that just... It's like the ocean. The ocean always wants to toss you out. It's scary and dark. We keep trying to get in it, but it keeps crashing us away. That was, There was like an ocean god. Oh, see, I like to surf. Though, so <laughs> oh, I don't know perfect. about that. I try well, to surf every day. So. See, that's why you're doing better than me. You, have, you, have, you, <laughs> found, you found a harmony with the scary ocean god. <laughs> Here's a, here's a series of random – first of all, thank you for that. The give, I, I've, I've been plugging Love Wins a lot on the show just because I felt like a real homecoming. There's mm. something about Jesus that I like. I'm into Jesus. I call myself a Christ-leaning spiritual person. That's, <laughs> that's my question for you actually is why Jesus? You know what I mean? Because I yeah. know you know the stuff that I know about – how the Gospels were put together. Sure, sure. Being written after. No no eyewitness, I believe, was – nobody was writing down what Jesus said at the scene. It's like 20, 30, 40 years later, earliest, yeah. Okay, right. so 40 years – I'm going to make it as bad as possible. So 40 years later, yeah. Yeah. and uh, there's very little extra biblical writings about Jesus, uh, wouldn't you say? I just had this – Josephus, I believe, writes about him lightly. 
lightly, yeah. Writes about a Jesus of Nazareth, like a dabble. Somebody, that's a big thing for people there. Like, there's a guy walking on water. I think more people would be writing about him. Or you could make it the other way and be like, there's a guy who walked on water. That's why the story survived all this time, 40 years being written. Then 300 before it was made the official religion of Rome, and they went looking for all these things. When I was in Israel, they were like, this is where the crucifixion happened, according to people 300 years after it. Oh, yeah, when Constantine's mom comes to Jerusalem and she finds Golgotha and says, this is supposed to be the place. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. Right, and then he's born here in Bethlehem and she picks a rock. And then, let's get even weirder, the idea that the Christ story is uh, is the hero's journey. It's Oedipus. It's it's Buddha. We're going into the wilderness. We have three temptations. I know Buddha was after Christ. Right? Before, 500 years before Christ? Oh, oh, so you're saying... What about all these other stories? That have I'm all just saying yeah. all the paths up the same mountain, something that I know you're hip with. You're okay with – you're comfortable with the idea that these messages are similar. I know that there are things that well, set Christ apart. But when we read a book like Love right, Wins right, right. and you make a wonderful, compelling, important argument for God's undying love for all of us, but your source is the Bible, to which I would say – Okay, Jesus says that, or did he? Like, there's this part of me that's like, who cares if that's in the Bible? Can't we talk? I had a a professor in Jerusalem where he goes, virgin life, sinless, sinless, uh, I'm sorry, virgin birth, sinless life, physical death and resurrection. He's like, everything else we can debate about. I was like, why not the first three things? Why not all of it? Why can't we break it all down? So when I listen uh, to your book, I enjoy that you use the Bible as the touchstone and be like, let's look at this as truth. But I also wonder why we even care enough about it to yeah, look yeah. at it as truth. Yeah. Well, okay. How much time do we have? <laughs> as much as you'd like. That's fantastic. That's a great question. <laughs> first off, I think you can argue something happened in the first century. There you I go. I would start there. It's like the flood. Um, All those writings agree. But e- even, even, the, even the scholar of sociology – Large numbers of people don't simply turn on a dime and start rallying around something out of nowhere. You don't have that. Mm. Um, uh, so I, I begin – I think something happened. Okay. Secondly, it happened in a culture that records history different than we do. Mm-hmm. So we might – what happened on 9-11, you might be, okay, there were four planes, there were two towers, one at 9, whatever, 45 a.m., one mm-hmm. at um, – for us, the facts are the sort of um, driving thing. Did you get the times, the planes, the plane numbers? Mm-hmm. Who saw it first? In, in the, but you, you can know all that about 9-11 and miss, hey, some people don't like us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, the message. Wow, we have some military bases that we've built on the most holy sites of a religion of millions of people in the world. The U.S. does. And they, for years, have said, please don't build military bases on our in our holy lands. That's like the beginning of every ghost story. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. But like, but like some people didn't like America. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can get the facts right and miss the larger... East, West, oil, resources, military. Right. Um, and like you said, religious sites. Uh, good guys, bad guys. Disrespect. Bad guys doing good things, good thing, guys doing bad things, really bad people doing really bad things to innocent Americans. Like you you, you can get the facts right and miss larger themes. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like facts didn't matter in the ancient world, but, but meaning was extremely important. Like what's it mean? So right. um, 
printing press is going to be another 1,500 years. So everybody doesn't have copies of things written down. It's an oral culture. Mm-hmm. So stories are passed down. Stories are passed around. When you do read the Gospels, you are reading what they remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, you are reading – and then think about a Gospel writer. Right. There are all these stories floating around, and this writer is picking which stories they're going to tell and how they're going to arrange it, and different Gospel writers – are pulling different stories. Yep. So the Matthew story is to a Jewish audience and it has a very Jewish, he begins with a genealogy because the audience would have gone, oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, the Mark is to a very Roman audience because they would have understood the crowning of a Caesar. So like one example would be the Roman Empire went around the world, this global military superpower, and they'd come to your province and they'd say, confess Caesar is Lord. And you either, with a sword, you'd either go, yeah, Caesar's Lord. Because the Caesar... The Roman Caesar believed he was the son of God sent from heaven to earth to bring about a universal reign of peace and prosperity. Huh. The Roman Caesar had a propaganda slogan, there is no other name under heaven by which you can be saved than that of Caesar. Really? And the phrase that Caesar used to describe Caesar's rule was Caesar is Lord. So they'd come to your region, Caesar is Lord. Yes, of course, Caesar is Lord. He Love rules his the salad. Rome. Great salad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always, I, 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 it's a refreshing treat. I always used to say, inventor of salads, wearer of haircuts. Ah, um, <laughs> so, yes. so you either your province, yes, Caesar is Lord, you became then part of the Roman Empire with all the benefits thereof, and then you were taxed. And then your taxes went to make a bigger army to conquer more lands. Mm-hmm. If you said, Caesar is Lord, bug off. Yeah. Um, they would take your town leaders or whoever it was, and you would. they had perfected this thing called an execution stake, which would keep you alive as long as possible. They'd put it in a main area of town, and you'd get hung there as a way of saying, resist Caesar, this is the route that it goes. Yeah. And the Romans had really perfected the whole execution stake thing, because mm-hmm. if you killed them too fast, you lose the effect. Right. But if you made it... They weren't enough pain. It was like, that's oh, not that bad. Right. So right. I had to be maximum you can't, pain. You can't have for... the guy up there being like, oh, right, it's right. fine. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> Don't worry. Caesar who? Yeah. Um, we laugh. But uh, <laughs> which is also interesting. You know, people wear crosses today. Yes. No, there's no real evidence for crosses being carved or worn until roughly three, four hundreds. Really? Which is when the Romans stopped crucifying. Huh. So literally no one who actually saw one was like, man, these would be sweet earrings. <laughs> I'm going to put this I mean? on my car. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like so, this is – I'm not going to – like I actually saw one of those. That's not a cute religious sticker. Right. I like saw one. So here's an example to me of why I think this is really powerful. If – so this message, this movement starts of a group of people who start saying Jesus is Lord. Yes. Which right alone was like a – Problem. Problem. Well done. Scholarly language. No problem. But here's what's really interesting at that time. Is the world made better through coercive military violence? I always say Caesar is Lord. You know, this is how peace is brought. Depends on which end of the sword you're on. Mm -hmm. There is these communities of people who start who they have this bread and wine and they have these meals called agape feasts where you would come and you'd make sure everybody's rent was paid, make sure everybody's hospital expenses were taken care of. Mm -hmm. Um, You'd have a meal to make sure that the rich could share what they had so the poor could eat. Um, The question in in those days was which, who, and Christian community simply said, do you think the world is made better through coercive military violence or through sacrificial love and solidarity? Mm -hmm. And this was like a precedent. If you were like, man, Caesar, look what he's done. Caesar's a big shot. He'd say, you know, tell you what, come to one of our gatherings. 
we believe that there is a God who's more powerful than even Caesar, and we believe this is actually right. – it's quieter and more humble and not as flashy, but we believe the world is actually made better this way. Yeah. So – I remember that because somebody told me when I was in Israel that Christ uh, – the Herodium. Oh, yeah. So they're emptying out a mountain uh, to, to, for Herod. Yes. And that was awesome. So when Christ said – if he said, I'm not going to do that. When Christ said <laughs> – uh, your faith can move mountains. People probably had a pretty good un- understanding. They had built a mountain. Yeah. yeah. They knew what moving – Caesar's moving mountains. You yes. know what I mean? So yes. like yeah. it was an interesting message. So that's interesting. We have, so we have those two things happening. Um, so I think you, you – there is something happened surrounding this Jesus. These stories – Survived for a reason. Survived. They resonated with – to the degree to which – those were the conform the forms that people understood. Man, people who do cool stuff ha- always have unique births, mm-hmm. and to the degree to which, um, how all that pans out. To me, the the power of it is if you go, no way, that's crazy. Well, then where do you stop? Do only things that you understand happen? Have like I suppose. Do you so you believe in the virgin birth, or do you think that's a metaphor? I know yes. that's a tricky game. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> I should have known you would say that. And that's the right answer. This isn't hard copy, and I'm not Howard Stern. I'm on your side. And when I'm faced <laughs> with that question, I don't know what to say either. I actually would say it's not really important to me. The virgin birth just seems to be a, a, an archaic way of being like, this guy's you a special do, guy. You you can do this guy's a special guy. Yeah. You can also do now wait. Matthew is referring to a passage in Isaiah, and the passage there, the Hebrew word could refer to a woman who's never had sex, mm-hmm. could refer to her firstborn, could refer to her getting pregnant the first time she had sex. Like really? you can go down. Is that so true? You can, you can go yeah, you can go down all this sort of word study thing. Sure. And then actually this passage from Isaiah was Matthew going, Hey, look, this comes from a long line of people way back with the prophetic tradition, etc. Right. Et cetera. That that's you can how also, I was taught it. Yeah, you can all you can do you can do all that and you you can say now it wasn't really what we think it means, and then you can also say, you know what, it is like a ripping story, yeah. And what it creates in me is this sense of I don't have to go down the crazy road to be like I like the idea that amazing stuff happens in the world that we can't explain, and I need rebirth and help, yeah. And so I'm gonna let the story be what it is. It, it's it's like the creation story is telling us that God created the world. It's that it, it, the story is telling us that crazy things happen. There's a fa- Do we have time for a, one more fascinating thing about the one creation more? story? We're halfway through. <laughs> Do you have awesome. to go? No. Okay. This is what's fascinating. The Bible begins with Genesis one. Yep. Uh, we agree on that. Okay. Good. Yes. <laughs> Two creation stories. But this is what's fascinating. Yes. At the time, the popular there was a there was a popular creation story at that time. Mesopotamia, uh, Mesopotamia ancient guy. World, Epic of Gilgamesh. Yes. Which basically there was this war between the gods and the one killed the other and ripped out of that god's carcasses carcass what we know to be the world. Yes. So what's fascinating in that story is we're here be- as the result of a massive act of death and destruction, carnage. Mm-hmm. So this story comes along. This poem is what it is. That's supposed to be in a science textbook. The Bible opens with a lyrical poem. It's got rhythm, groove. It's got a nice little backbeat to it. <laughs> and it's like, and this was made, and then this was made, and then this was. And in this, there is this div- explosive divine creativity. 
it's almost like it spills over. Like it can't be contained and it takes great joy, this God, in making stuff. Like, check mm-hmm. that out. Check mm-hmm. that out. Check, you know, the actual Hebrew. Because he check keeps going, out. it's good. Check that. That's, man, that's sweet. That's good. That is it's like Jay-Z it. going, this is some church. Right. That's good. <laughs> that's very good. Um, I mean, it really It's like is. me when I'm on stage. I always go, I that's hilarious. That's good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, sometimes I'll, like, I'll be speaking live and I'll stop and be like, man, I don't, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that. That's so great. <laughs> Can I actually, will you remember what you're saying? Uh, no, stay on your path. Okay, one more. So, I have. So this I is a really interesting thing. Yeah, is at that time, this poem raised this profound question: Is at the heart of it why we're here and all this? Are we here because of carnage and death and destruction, or because of overflowing divine creativity and generosity? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. If I get hit on the sidewalk when I walk out of this building and I'm laying there, I would really hope that the person. <laughs> Who happens to be walking by has this view and not this view. Right, not the not Like the which war one view. shapes you? Which one makes you a better person? Which one brings more joy? Which one creates better art? Which Right. Um so so those stories, they resonated when they get turned into, you know, was the world really created in six days? You know, right. scientists say you're miss there is a power to those stories. Right. Like they raise questions in their day that I would argue in some ways are more relevant than ever. Yeah. And somehow the people who seem to talk the most about the Bible have turned lots of people off to these stories that actually have profound insight yeah. and wisdom and confront us in all the ways that are really right. give us lots to think about and talk about. Well, you made that, that wonderful okay. point in your movie, Everything is Spiritual, about how a day didn't exist yet. You know, if we're, oh, right, if we're yeah, making right. the earth and uh, you really blew my mind, the idea of, I know you know it. But hearing it again, sometimes you're like, that's just a measure of how long it takes the Earth to go around Wait, the sun. And you're a day like, is measured by the sun, and the sun doesn't come till day three or four. Well, yes. then it's apparently just, it's a poem. Obviously, <laughs> it's not the point. Obviously, it's yeah, not yeah, the point. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Okay, to, now to your next thing. I'll, I won't forget that thing. Remind me clapping after I ask you this. Okay. Mary ascending after Christ dies. She ascends to heaven. I believe it's three days later or something. Right? No. We don't have anything about Mary. No? Mm-mm. Where am I getting that? This is I'm quoting Joseph Campbell. He says that after Christ died, Mary goes up into heaven. I'm not sure if that's true. I'm I'm literally getting this from the power that's of That's not a New Testament thing. There is Jesus ascending. Uh-huh. Hmm. Which actually there was language about Caesar ascending. So if Jesus is, is a better Caesar with a whole new way to be in the world, then it would make sense that they would tell a story in which he ascends. Well, let me ask you this. This is the bigger question. Yeah. Let's leave Mary out of it. Christ physically dying. Right. Fight Christ physically being resurrected. Right. Is that the point? Or are we all to die to ourselves and resurrect to our true nature? That's the power of a great story is it can be read at all those levels. Okay, good. Yeah. I hope I'm not putting you in a political place where you'll get in trouble where it's with like, Rob, I, I don't know. Well, that's who one of I my problems. I have a friend who's a pastor. He's the Just one who gave like me is, your email. Yeah. That's how I got your email. Yeah. One of my favorite people in the world. And I said, you should do my podcast. And he said, I would, but I'd get in trouble. You can't say it doesn't matter if Christ literally physically died and was resurrected. That's heresy. People get mad at that. You lose jobs over that. And that's what I call bullshit on. That's what my heart breaks 
for the modern pastor who does have doubt, who does want to talk about whether or not those things are real or metaphors or whatever. But he can't because he works for Microsoft now. And Windows is the best operating system because there's elders and there's money and you got to keep the lights on. I have the best of both worlds because I can say whatever I think, which is I I believe in in an actual resurrection. And whatever I think, I don't get in trouble. Yeah. So if you woke up tomorrow and just the the neural pathways, the chemistry of your brain, yeah. you just have a doubtful day tomorrow and you're like, nobody dies and comes back. That's just well, how you I feel went through, tomorrow. Like in the book I talk about, I went through a whole the Easter period Sunday of time thing. when I, I was like – I haven't gotten to it. I haven't I gotten to what you did on that day. I – I don't think I tell it in the book. I you just don't? Tell you that, no. I've been waiting for the punchline. No. That's the setup. I was like, that's, that must be how he ends the book. No, that's how you sell more. That's how you sell the second book. Or whatever. Uh, I don't know. What we that. talk about when we talk about that Easter. Oh, nice. <laughs> there you go. So you talk about getting up on Easter. Yeah. And it all just oh, no, I went through like, a real. I went through a real period of like, I was reading, I got on some, I mean, I was reading a ton of all of the this is not true these stuff is all made up the gospels look at this there's all the lack of uniqueness there's this yes. story this first story mid, like, like in religious oh look at yeah. really addis he died for three days interesting yeah. like i was yeah. so i sort of um i dying I, on a hill i inhaled thousands of pages about because i had this sense that i was talking to all of these people about this and um, the only route is just to go all the way in and what to hear it all. Um, oh, to hear it all, to look at I all d- the I was just on to the, the only, the only, because what had happened is I just started out as a pastor, just sort of all of a sudden I was leading this massive thing. And so these very issues of like, what do you do when you're in the spotlight and expected to say all these things, but then you have your own sort of journey? Yes. When did you um, stop being How a do you reconcile all of this? And I literally realized the only route for me i either do company thing which is when i'm on the stage then i do the company line yeah. and then i sort of with you over like actually i think about this this way but i can't tell anybody right, right, right. or i just go there and see where it takes me and if it means i don't fit in anywhere then it's better to have integrity yeah so i, I went through a period where i was leading a really really large church and preaching and i was going through it Really? Like, oh, like that's you can't your movie. Even believe. That's so interesting. Uh, I like all of the what? It, it, seriously, there's like God, and as a pastor, also, you are interacting with an extraordinary. Like if I tell you so and so's mom has a brain tumor, we go ah, we feel that. Yeah. You hear ten of those a day. Yeah. I mean, you hear well the, fifteen. That's the Mother Teresa thing. The secret letters of Mother Teresa you, that were implying. You hear this stuff. People want their pastor to know they lost their job. They're Marriage isn't working. They're addicted to this. I mean, I, I, I sort of. There wasn't really any training or preparation for this, but I was at a young age, just absolutely. It was unbelievable mm. the suffering of the world that you're sort of you you are in on. <laughs> yeah, um, it was really that's, amazing. That's too much. Yeah, for and one so I went person. through a whole doubt, and you- then I. Uh, but what happened is. The the myth is, I can't have that kind of faith. You're just trading one kind of faith for another. Every, everybody you've interviewed in the show, everybody has faith. Hmm. So everybody is living in a story and trusting a story. Even when people are like, I can't, I can't have the people who believe in stuff. You believe in stuff because you came here on an airplane. 
So you sat down and let somebody you've never met put you in a metal tube up in the sky. So you you trust and live with faith all the time. Right. From the getting from New York to L.A. all the way to something drives what matters to you and why you get up in the morning. So Mm -hmm. that's when I started to sort of, oh, my problem isn't God, Jesus. My problem was how I held it. That sort of white-knuckled thing where you can't entertain any when I began to realize that it's called faith for a reason mm-hmm. I came to bring you certainty and I came to bring you faith which is trust mm-hmm. So, and, and that this particular story going back to your question about Jesus it it just makes me it makes me better I think there is it, I think it can be argued intellectually it can there are lots of really brilliant books on all of the sort of first century manuscripts and all that. I think there's um, well there are really, really intelligent people who have great things to say about evidence and reason and logic and all the history and all that. But what this story does is it makes me a better person. I, that's interesting. Does it come down to – here's one of the reasons why I, I, I'm skeptical, and this is me talking, mm-hmm. again, being a you kind of person. People accuse me on the show of having a confirmation bias, which is wonderful. Sure. This audience yeah, yeah. teaches me things like yeah, yeah, right. confirmation sure. bias. So if I go out – Looking for first manuscripts and trying to prove, like the case sure. case for faith is one that I've read that yeah, yeah. I remember being like, "This is great. This isn't just baloney." Let me ask you this. I, by the way, yeah, I think it's great to bring that point up because I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people shown the same piece. Hmm. Like you had said, there's four gospels. They were written fifty years. The same piece of stuff, and one person sees it this way, and one person sees it this way. Mm-hmm. I gave up a long time ago. Like, no, 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 I can line it all up for you, and then you'll go, oh, yeah, I yeah. gave that up a lot. Because you can present the exact same stuff to two different groups of people, and the one will be like, boom, this way. Yeah. And the other will be like, boom, that way. Right. I've seen that a thousand times. So you're just, you've resigned to the surfing of it? Um, to the morphing, to the moving, to the debating, to all the wrestling? All of that. Actually, my experience has been that getting the intellectual furniture arranged properly, mm-hmm. we can do that all day long. We can discuss and argue and debate. But there is something about the seat of your being, your heart, your spirit, that is where you actually live from. Mm-hmm. Um, we all say, man, money doesn't make me happier. I'm about stuff more. But we live from this place it says man more money would be great mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean we we have a place that we actually live from yeah and that's actually informing your life some people and and you get moved there you get convinced there you get persuaded there so so mm-hmm. the whole sort of like give me the intellectual arguments sure i can do that and we can talk about manuscript evidence and we can talk about sociology and we can talk about history and we can talk about the legitimacy of the christian claims we can talk about absolutes that's fine but i i i also know that at some point to this hardened, you know, the person we're talking, like, the people you talk about, your friends who are like, hey, that's all stuff, crazy stuff. But I know at some part, this person will probably go through some sort of suffering. And at that moment, all of these arguments won't really be the point. The point will be who will be there to mm-hmm. walk with them through it. Mm-hmm. And is there a story that will actually bring them comfort and help and healing and hope? And Right. I think this one does. Isn't that... <laughs> I've seen it. Is that... Is it a choice then? When I talk to my parents about it and i had these these conversations that were a lot more navel gazy than i think they were ready for mm-hmm. or or interested in mm-hmm. it came down to a little bit of what I, I think i'm hearing you say which is like look i've done the debating and i've done the without and i'm, I'm happier with i like it with mm-hmm. you're talking about but when you talk about like going through pain 
the concern is the is it an imaginary friend Jesus or is it really a thing? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you can pretend that there's a sure. Jesus with you. And some people, religion is just this giant psychological construct of this Jesus is my boyfriend who's going to hold my hand. Well, you this. say the slot machine God. Oh, yeah. Or the I slot, was, yeah, yeah. I was oh, guilty of that, Lots too. of this is all – yeah, yeah. All, some of this is really – but then you meet this person who they uh, – I mean you hear those songs written by slaves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel like a motherless child. And in pe- these songs that came out of the tradition of slavery in which they would sing in the field about the Jesus who hears their pain and stands with them. Like, you're going to deny that? You know what I mean? Like, right. oh, you're just making that stuff. No, there's a – yeah, Jesus is deeply mysterious. Yeah. He's deeply mysterious. Well, you say that in the book. And, yeah. that, and that resonates with me as the idea yeah. that sometimes you need a scientist and sometimes you need a poet. Right. And I, I agree with you. Yeah. And you're saying this story more th- – you also say, though, something that I appreciate. You say, this is the le- – I was raised a Christian. This is the lens yeah. I'm, I'm with. I think it's important. Like, I, my parents are Christian, so I think it's important for me. I was just – like, I was raised with this. So there's always like, yeah, but if you were raised Buddhist, yeah. you'd probably be Buddhist. Yeah, maybe I would be. Yeah. Like, I, that's, a, that's important to me to just say that up front in a lot of discussions because then people go, oh, okay, got it. So but you, that – no, that is – that's powerful. That's yeah. the line. That's the humanizing yeah. line. And yeah. that's why I say I'm a Christ-leaning. There's an admission going, I can't help it. I was raised this way. Yeah. When the, we talk about neural pathways, when the neural pathways yeah. to my spirituality were being forged, it was on the back of Jesus. Yeah. Here's what's interesting to that. I don't mean to interrupt. Keep going. No, please. Um, <laughs> as a pastor, I've met an extraordinary number of people uh, just uh, last week who grew up, had never heard any of this, mm-hmm. grew up every sort of other religion you can imagine. Heard the Jesus story and went. That's I've I've been trying to find that. Hmm. Like so, I've just had the experience of lots and lots of people who are like, "I grace is a brand new idea." Um, The idea of a path that I follow, the idea of God being personal, not just an abstract idea. Mm -hmm. Jesus makes. um, So I just I've seen the exact opposite a ton, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't through any sort of. It was just people telling me their stories and going, wow, that's like a really – you know who you'd love to have on the show? You know Barry Taylor? No. He's a road manager for ACDC on the Highway to Hell Tour. <laughs> he lives in L.A. He's awesome. He was a road manager for ACDC on the Highway to Hell Tour and started reading the Bible. I and got into like, it. And was like, this is true. Well, I, You know it, what I mean? So, so I just – people who just literally are in a hotel and pick up a Bible and go – this story speaks to me about the very depths of what it means to be human, what yeah. it means to be cleansed and healed and forgiven and alive and recreated. And that so was, I just I just heard a lot of those that are just and from people from across the very smart people in the modern world that just go, I had an experience with this Jesus that I can't explain. So that's right. why to me to sort of trivialize or make fun of that is totally doesn't work because I've just seen people with no sort of like leaning background family turn or whatever it. just go it somehow was the missing thing that i've realized i've been thirsty for my whole life it turned so, them on i've heard stories like that too beautiful. a friend just of let mine that be what it is it's beautiful it is beautiful and it's inspiring and yeah, i'm glad yeah. you spoke to it i i had a friend who uh we're both into we do transcendental meditation are you into anything like that transcendental meditation um, I'm into meditation. Oh, okay. Let's I'm talk into about prayer. that. I'm into prayer. I'm into stillness and quiet. I'm into listening. 
I like yeah. all that. Well, let's, I, I want to hear you talk about that. We're going to do clapping, then we'll do prayer. But the first story, he was telling me that when he was in Galilee, he meditated and had this really profound experience. And also when he went to the uh, Church of the Holy Sepulchre, had like a, like a transcendent experience, like instantly. And was just like, I really want to get to know this Jesus fella, but I feel like all the all his followers are really messing that up for me. Right. He's like, I, they're like in the way. I sent him your book. I, I did. It oh, was nice. the first. I was like, I think this will do it for you. I I really think. Don't you think that Jesus would be mortified that there's a big giant religion in the way? Yeah. Well, you say the, like what in the what? What are you people? I know his. Well, it's not his name, but you know, being the Christ in Christianity, we're saying what a bad uh, opening to music it is. Christian rock, Christian comedian. It, it has this very, very bad thing. But you're right. People, who was it that read the Book of Romans and was converted overnight? Somebody famous. I don't, if you don't know, then nobody knows. <laughs> but like that, that sort of stuff happens, and I am open yeah, to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does. I like that. I like your your okayness. If you had answers and you fired right back in this like sound bites, it would break my heart. It really would. Hmm. If I was like virgin birth, and you're like, absolutely, brother. I would. I would make. I, I'm sorry to do a southern voice. That was kind of my youth pastor <laughs> again. It would make me sad. I think what I said was yes. I know. Two, well, I, two I, questions I, you asked about it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was perfect. And I think there's there's a uh, there's a place for embracing that uh, mystery, and I like that. Yeah, about what you're doing. And I also agree that the story, the same friend that told me about the transcendent moment in Galilee, told me that for some reason when he's meditating and he thinks Almighty Father, for some reason that 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 vibrates inside yeah. of him. Something about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what made my story kind of fun was going away from it, and then coming back the the homecoming of that that yeah. arc felt so much better than just staying with it. You know what I mean? It, it was better to have left and come yeah. back in the weird Christ-conscious L.A. way that I'm back. I think a lot of people <laughs> who grew up with things, at some, my experience has been in their, generally in their 20s, sometimes 30s, but often in the 20s, have to like reboot. Mm-hmm. You get too much of that rainbow death wheel. Yes. And it's like have to re, have to... Um, Kick the cord out. Yeah, and have to go... Some people explore earlier, some people, but there's like a, I have to own this, and that may mean lots of things, but it may mean I simply set this down and walk away for a while. Mm-hmm. And the things that are real and true and enduring, I, I'm not worried about that. I'll somehow they'll come them. Back. I will come back. They, they'll come yeah, back. They'll, they'll be there. They'll be there on the other side. It's like love and mm-hmm. the bird, and you let it go, and if it was mm-hmm. meant to be, it'll come back. If it was true, it'll come yeah, back. There's a, there's a great Zen saying. Is it Zen? Um, at first, the river was a river, and the mountain was a mountain. And then the river wasn't a river, and the mountain wasn't a mountain. And then later, the river was a river, and the mountain was a mountain. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you're raised yeah. with this, all this terminology and labels and a system, and that's how you navigate the world. Yeah. And so this is this, and this is this. And then you go out in the world, and you sort of make your way, and you well, what is this? What? I was always still, ah! And so the river is no longer a river in the mountain. And then later on, okay. Maybe it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's okay. Now I know what the river is. Now I know what the mountain is. I love it. It's such a funny answer. It's so nice talking to you. Here, here's the, the – I've been wanting clapping. to ask you this. Clapping. Yeah. Um, I, I had a tweet uh, about Joel Osteen. You know Joel Osteen, mega preacher. Do you know yes. him personally? No, I don't. That would be funny if you did. I, I, and it wasn't anti-Osteen. Some people thought it was. But it was just about like – it was a quote and it said, now that's how you do it, motherfucker. And it was Joel Osteen after he gets off stage. Because the point is... What did he do after when he got off stage? No, no, no. I, I'm talking about backstage where no one can see him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome. To me, 
That was a loving Joel Osteen tweet. I have no problem with oh. Joel Osteen. I'm just oh, talking about funny. his humanity. He couldn't right. say that. But you can't like preach. He come, like he came home on a Sunday afternoon. He's talked to like what? Like a kajillion people a or something. A kajillion people. And he people. comes at home and his son's like shooting baskets in the driveway. Yeah. And his son's like, Dad, how it goes? And he's like, man, I'll tell you what, that sermon kicked ass. That's exactly right. Like Something that, <laughs> that you shouldn't say. I'm telling you, I was on fire. Exactly. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's my question about clapping. <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong. You've surprised me many times. But at the end of Everything is Spiritual, which is just epic. It's just an epic uh, – I wouldn't even call it a sermon. It's like a lecture or, or a talk. Everyone's clapping. And I'm, uh, my fr- I have two thoughts as a performer. Why aren't they standing up? I, it's a standing ovation if there's ever been one. Oh, yeah. And then two, you clap for yourself, which is something that – Was I ri- – yeah, no, I was clapping for them. I was clapping towards them like this, right? Okay, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think you were clapping for yourself. But here's my, oh, good. Okay, here's my point. I, I if thought, I did appear to be clapping for myself, no, no, no. I would not like me. My interpretation. I would of tell that, me, dude, don't clap for yourself. My interpretation. It's actually weird. I'm almost making the opposite point. In the Christian world, the Joel Osteen tweet, um, and as somebody who's led small groups or whatever in my life, it, it, sometimes we get robbed. You gave a great talk. They should have stood up. And you should have been like, that's how you do it, motherfucker. <laughs> and, and I hate to see – it broke my heart when you clapped. It's totally fine. But I was like, oh, he's doing that Christian thing where you hold the tube and you take the praise and you shoot it up to God. And I'm like, why not Why not have some of it for you? You okay, killed that it. that was – You pl- killed it. That was – oh. You know what I mean? Did you at least have a moment where you go, I killed it? There's nothing wrong with that. God made you. It, let's talk about a sermon you're going to give. And you nail it. And you destroy. Oh, you told. Oh, actually, I didn't. Comedian. When I started sort of reading up on comedians, mm-hmm. because I, I I came up through pastor world where you do this thing, and then it's sort of it's all God. But what happened in the beginning is people would be like, "Dude, that was so that so much helped me," and I'd say like, "Wasn't me." Yeah. I was, all, yeah, and I was yeah. like, "Then why am I working so yeah, hard?" I know it was um, you. <laughs> and then what's interesting is I I started. I realized that my peers were actually comedians and performance artists and act and sometimes actors. There was a whole bunch of similarities with you've created this thing and then you're sharing it with people. Mm-hmm. Um, Seinfeld's film, comedian, comedian. Mm-hmm. What, my second favorite movie ever. Is I mean, that right? Absolutely. Um, well, that movie changed my life. That's why I moved cha- to New York. Oh, cha- it, it spoke it. It's like, oh my word, that's what I, I that is what you I do. work and work and work and work to create this thing. So when I started to But the difference between me and you is I could say on stage, that's how you do it, motherfucker. <laughs> I say that stuff as a joke because that's a part of yeah. the feeling. I know yeah, the feeling. I'm your brother. When you're on stage and you oh, get that awesome. rarefied air. Oh, the other night in London yes. was like one of those nights that was just absolutely like <sighs> Just you know that feeling. nailed it. Oh, so much! Yeah, another guy could have gone on stage. It wasn't the crowd. It was. It was your work. It was yeah, your yeah, brain. yeah, yeah. And you have to it own that, your... and you have to own that. Yes. Yeah. And it took me a while to understand. Oh, and I had good friends around me who were like, "Hey, you killed that." Yes. I actually have a friend who would tell you. I was talking to him on the way over here. You would love him. He would. <laughs> he would probably say, "My my." He would probably say he's like one of my jobs is to enjoy it with Rob, yeah. And to be like, man, that thing was, that 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 was it. That was a moment. That was an exp- like you did. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and some people say, oh, so he's just giving you a big head. No, it's actually the opposite. Right. It's right. the opposite. It's letting the release valve off. Right. It's going while you really worked hard at that. 
and it showed and it meant something. And um, there's this whole thing about like, you know, God has to get all the glory. One of the ways, if you want to see it that way, that God gets glory is when you are filled with joy. Right. Like, I loved making it. Yeah. I loved the nervous feelings an hour before. I loved doing it. I love going out to eat afterwards and being like, yeah. 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 Have my it. wife will, I'll come in the door and my wife will be like, just came back from conquering in battle. From she, what? Conquering in battle. <laughs> she has this funny thing she does about like how a man needs to go out in the world and do something. <laughs> you know, but you know what I'm talking about. Well, you about. do. She'll be like, oh, I know that. I know what that is. Yes. You went out and you conquered and now you came back from battle. And she's it, like totally over the top. She's totally making fun of it. Right. But she's also like, I get that there's this thing deep within you that you have to go do. Right. And you get done and there's this tremendous feeling of like, <sighs> right. Yeah, yeah. I just don't understand with some of my other friends who are pastors. I have a number of yeah, who are pastors yeah, who would never admit, and it just feels dishonest to me. And you know, there's also there's also pastors I yeah, know that. What's that? There's a whole thing like the whole thing like I'll tell you why that church is growing. Yeah, because she's preaching the word. Because he's because right. he's bringing the because he's bringing the gospel. That's right. why he's bringing. Right. Oh, here's here's what's interesting. Lots of people are preaching the word yeah, and yeah, no yeah, one's yeah, coming. Yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. There is a human element to right. this. It's fine. People are coming because this person knows how to quote unquote whatever and preach the, the word or whatever it is. And the music is. is great and the lighting is yeah, good and the great. seats are comfortable yeah, yeah. but not too comfortable so you fall asleep. <laughs> right. It's perfect. They like put tons and tons of energy and work into making it great. And that's uh, a holy sacred thing. I agree. So I take like that. Everything is spiritual for me. That's actually the beginning for me of, oh, I create – like I, my approach to this is more art yeah. than science or propaganda. Yeah, like that. That that was one of the first things that I had in my head. Like, there's got to be some way to do two hours on Hebrew language and quantum physics and yeah. spatial dimensional right. theory. That that thing was when I really started. Okay, wow, this is about creating great art. Yeah, and it is. And yeah. as someone who works uh, goes into the mind, the creativity mind, and looks for the tiny yes. little piece. When I'm listening to your book or watching Everything Is Spiritual, I'm thinking this guy poured over a lot of oh, boring man. stuff to get to the sugar cube quote. Oh, that new, the new book. Yeah, I started the sugar with sugar cube quote. Yeah, I started trying to keep track of all the ideas. Like, you'd come up with, like, bits for a joke. That's I started what, doing three-by-five cards. I've seen the YouTube video of you discussing your process. And I'm at, like, process. 600 yes. three-by-five cards. Like, <laughs> What do you do? Do you do you hang them up? My my apartment is filled with notes because I'd forget little lines, little yeah, things. Yeah, I got I, – just this week, I was, like, going through my computer and notebooks, like, try, oh, that's right. I have that whole thing. Yeah. Like, trying to keep it straight. Yeah. Well, that that's – you have a real skill for organizing. That That's what I think – the 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 breadth of the topics that you're discussing, yeah. God and the existence of God, <laughs> and first you take down hell, and then you're like, let's back it up even further and see is there anything happening. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at a lot of evidence to to shift around and a lot to present. It's daunting. It's not, when I, when I, I get worried for you as I'm but reading. When I listen to, uh, like, when I listen to you on Conan, yes, or like a comedian, I'm right with you going okay so I, i'm wondering there was a that joke has a genesis somewhere right and then it went so then he realized like about this this comes off this this comes out like i'm i'm like trying to figure out your structure and like your right. outline right and what piece started to grow and included that and that and then when does it transition and 
well, which you... is the end of one joke in the beginning. All yeah. that cons- to me, I could talk all day long about the mechanics of how you come up with, and right. then what um, parts you leave out, what parts you. Leave and I in. just did this book tour, like I did the same talk probably fifteen times, and just you know, like the first, the second night, you start to realize, okay. The pause there kills yeah. that offhanded thing. Not as funny as I thought it was. Right, but this right, right, thing right, had right. no idea this was as funny as I right, thought it was. Right. Um, it's informed by different things. There have been nights oh, where I'm yeah. s- sick and I can't talk as quickly. And I'm like, I should slow down. Right. In you general. find all this space. Because you're doing it all, all over and over yes. and over. You know what's funny about that Google bit that you referenced? That bit I did in some form and then uh, didn't do it for two years. You know what I mean? Like it, it was kicking around uh, in yeah. my subconscious. And then I came up with the ending of it. The ending of it presented itself to me two years later when I really was in bed and Googled where's Tom Petty from. And then I was like, didn't I used to have it? And then they came together. And I'm not here to say that that's like the greatest bit in the world, but I, I'm interested in how it's like, it feels like there, revelation. It really there, does. But there is, you end with it. But there is a moment as you're ending where it goes somewhere. It there's like that that, that little liftoff moment. Yeah, when it's not just funny, it's true. Yeah, it's and interesting. You knew it. That. You knew it when I could. It, <laughs> you something. knew you were into some territory that wasn't just funny, funny, funny. Yeah, you're into some. Yeah, there's there. That's yeah. That's, well, that, that's, that's the art of it, and that's what you're doing. Honestly, it's funny, but that's what's expected of you, which is a little bit unfair. You're more you like you start funny and work your way to that moment. Yeah, I start at that moment and try and then try to bring us back to like real life. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, the the idea of laughter being a good oh, loosening thing. Yeah, that's what George Carlin said. He said at the at the moment of laughter, that's when you can introduce a new idea, mm. and it's true. You don't even realize sometimes what you believe until someone makes a joke and and your laugh betrays how you thought you felt about something i've had that happen that's that's revealed my cruelty you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's revealed bad things before in Mm -hmm. me and it's also revealed good things in me and helped me understand who i really am as a person so i think you should feel okay when you're killing it (laughs) and and if you don't no one's ever broken it down like that which part um no I, i i've had friends but never with that level of detail you looking at a pastor going oh man yeah you um, killed it you you need to own and i because i have had that with other pastors like yeah you need you need to enjoy how hard you worked yes. and then how great that was yes just let it be great be like wow that was that was really great your co-create this is let it be what it was it's okay jay moore was on the last episode uh, and he told me this great thing. He was in a very, very turbulent plane ride and almost died. The, the plane got struck by lightning three times, and then they landed. Isn't, isn't that incredible? And he says he was 24, which is just too young. There's no age where you're ready for that, but right. especially at that age. He said that when they landed, he had this revelation, and it was it was this message that he believes is from God, and for him it was. And it said, uh, human beings are the noblest of creatures because they were sent to earth to co-create with God. And what I like about that Mm. is when I see, when I'm depressed, you paint something. There's something about coming back to going like, I can make a paper airplane out of this or I could paint this table. Daniel Day-Lewis, when he's in his off time, cobbles shoes. I get it. Do something to reconnect. You have three by five cards and you put together 
something even more mysterious, which is a talk, which is a, an exchange of energy at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Eight o'clock, be there for the taping of Everything is Spiritual. The audacity on you. I'll move, I'm going to move you at eight o'clock on Thursday. The balls <laughs> to make that declaration. And then to do it, and then to feel a connection with your creator, whatever that is, and you created something, and then you feel a connection with him. Good, fa- good, good. <laughs> Have it, allow it. Like Beyonce says. Should we go into the speed round? Have you ever done mushrooms? Uh, no. You should. Speed round. Do you wrap it up with speed round? Yeah, you should do mushrooms. <laughs> I'm a picture of you. <laughs> Are you going to Instagram it? Why am I getting a flash? Okay, keep going. Yeah, turn that flash off. <laughs> Just taking a photo in the middle of it. I am taking a photo. Keep going. Okay, buddy, speed I, round. I could talk to you forever. Okay, you know speed that? round. Here, here's a quote that I wanted you to read because I ask everybody. Yes. I ask everybody on the show, "Dead over?" I say, "When you're dead, is it over?" And and you had this quote, and it's from your book. One of the things about having you on the show is like I don't want to make you quote so many things from your book because your whole book is three, four hours. We're taking a photo. <laughs> Did it go? Okay. Three, four hours of of the answer to these questions that I have. So I honestly think people should listen to those books. Okay. But I did love this quote, and I did think it was a good answer or a good beginning of an answer to when we die, is it over? you want me to read this? If you don't mind. I want to read myself. Yeah, read yourself. Uh, to say it again, eternal life is less about a kind of time that starts when we die and more about a quality and vitality of life now in connection to God. Eternal life doesn't start when we die. It starts now. It's not about a life that begins at death. It's about experiencing the kind of life now that can endure and survive even death. As read by the author. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just like I didn't want to burden you with saying it better. You did all this work to make it good. Thank you. That's very kind. So just, yeah, well, that's from Love Wins. That's from Love Wins. Let's make sure I'm not forgetting anything because I'm going to kick myself in... In the balls if I did. Hell, Book of Answers, Eminem. Oh, my pastor had an affair. I was just thinking about that. My pastor had an affair and all these people left the church. Mm. And I remember being like, that's the only thing that makes this guy interesting to me at that time. I was like, please tell me about your affair. You know what I mean? It made it three-dimensional. Yeah, yeah. When I, oftentimes when I meet people who have had a bad religious whatever experience, I'll just ask them what the person – what was their name? Yeah. People be like, what do you mean? I was like, what was their name? Yeah. And it's unbelievable. People always can say. Who it was. Um, a pastor, somebody somewhere. You can't be mad at an institution. Yeah. People are like, I'm just against big business. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Oh, you got fired by a big company and the person who fired you was the assistant to the regional manager and his name was Ron. Okay. <laughs> you, you hate Ron. have anger with Ron. <laughs> it's actually one of the we- reasons people get really deeply held up. Is they're angry with you can't be angry with institutions or religions. Yeah, people hurt people. Yes, um, it's like that story I had with the strong arm going like, how could you be a? a comedian that's like you and took this big giant blob and went. That dude said that. Yeah. Um, so whatever you're feeling about religion, church, you have this universal gets particularized in time and space. Like, right. This guy said this, and you're still carrying it around. Which, right. Um, you got to put it down. Well, that's your business, but. <laughs> But yeah, but it's just interesting how people will speak in general terms, and you yeah. have to go. No, no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, 
what's their name? Yeah. Because until we get there, we're not we're we're just going to be all bound up. In the other world. thing I love that you just made me think of is that you said when you talk to atheists and you say you don't believe in God, tell me about God. Oh yeah, who who don't you believe in? Oh, yeah. I don't believe in that God either. Yeah, you yeah. Na- that was that one blew me away too. Is I find yeah. that I also don't believe in like, the God what? that, that they yeah. don't believe in. Oh, I have a problem believing that. Yeah, right. Since so how did that become your idea of what the Christian faith is? Right, because that's not what I'm talking about. Right. But, you know, here I am, overly educated in in the Christian mm. field and still assumed that uh, you were catching flack for liking Eminem. You know what I mean? Like, I still couldn't have you pegged. And that's what's exciting. It's nice It's nice to run into somebody that's in on that team but playing very, very differently. You know what I mean? Got it. Yes. I hope so. There's lots of us. They used to show us videos of kids getting in elevators that went to hell. Oh, Remember yeah. those? Did you watch Why any didn't of that? Why did you tell prop? me? Yeah, 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 exactly. And recovering homosexuals. That was another thing. Yeah. Where they'd have videos and the Chiron said recovering homosexual. And it was like, clearly, I'm not even trying to be funny. Like the gayest, when you think of a, a flamboyant gay yeah. person, the gayest person in the world. Did you hear that thing on NPR about heretics? Mm-mm. I oh God, you gotta listen to it. It's about you in another church. It's about a guy who lost his whole congregation. Carlton because, Pearson. Carlton Pearson because that he became a universalist. Awesome. I love him too. Isn't he moving? Listening to him preach s- stirs me so much. Oh. and then to hear him go on this journey. He was on the Monique show. He was. You know Monique show. Yeah. yeah, and she was asking like he was he was absolute it, the wisdom and love it was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's amazing. I'd love to meet him. I'd love to meet him too. Here's the speed round. I, I'm just I'm gonna look at this real quick and make sure I don't forget anything. That's really it. I think we really did pretty good. Speed round is can you remember one of the hardest times you've ever laughed? Uh yeah. First time I saw Eddie Izzard dressed to kill and oh, he did um cake or death. <laughs> I seriously I like couldn't breathe. That's I was fantastic. laughing so hard. That's a great answer. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, and what what other one should we do? We could do fake laugh into a real laugh or sleep ritual. Which one of those sounds more interesting? What was it? Fake laugh? Fake laugh to real laugh. What's that mean? It's where we're going to fake laugh at each other until it turns into a real laugh. <laughs> <laughs> or you could tell me if you have some sort of ritual yes. that you go through every night when you lay down in your imagination. Here's... No, I have a better one. Yeah? I used to only set my alarm with the last number. It had to be a three. Interesting. I could only do 603, 703, like that. It had to be a three. Huh. But then a friend of mine who's a brain doctor said, dude, you just tell yourself what time you want to wake up, and then you'll wake up at that time. Really? So I started like a year ago. I want to get up. My son needs to be woken up. My first older son needs to be woken up at 630 to go to school. Okay, so I go to bed, wake up at 6.30, and it works. Really? <laughs> You've been doing it for how long? Yeah. A long time? A while. Yeah, like a year maybe. Just an internal clock. Go. This is a brain doctor. was like, tell yourself what time you need to get up, and then you'll get up at that time. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? Although I will say this. Okay, so when you say strange sleep ritual, I, yeah. I think it's fascinating. You're setting a mental clock. Like Kramer on Seinfeld, he does that. Anyway. Like, I have to fly tomorrow. I have to get up. I'm actually going to London. You were just in London. I'm going nice. to London. Why? I have to get up uh, to shoot something. It's going to be very, awesome. very fun. Yeah. But I have my flight is at 8 a.m., which means I have to be at the airport at 7, which means I need to leave at 6.15, which means I need to be up at 5.30. And I notice when I set an alarm for 5.30, I'll always wake up before the alarm. Right. 
because I because it's anxious. I'm like, I'll pop up because you like, don't want to wake up at like seven twenty two. Never done I missed it. it. I've never done it. Right. Exactly. I've never. Well, people that are like my alarm didn't go off. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I understand. They're deep sleepers, and I envy it. Now let's do fake laugh into real laugh. I'm so glad you were on the show. <laughs> Thank you for doing it. I think I've plugged the the book so many times. It really changed my life. I, I don't great. even like this language, what I'm about to say to you. I hate the term blessing. I hate the term save. Why? I, because, I don't know. They were ruined for me. Okay. But Let's reclaim the, them. I'm, I'm working on it. The book was a huge blessing to me, and it was the closest I felt to a new kind of wow. saved. It really was. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was Thank great. Thank you for saying that. My sincere play. I'm all about people loving themselves, so I want you to love yourself. <laughs> Take the applause. You killed it. Nail it. And uh, your book is great. <laughs> and it has people saying like that. So uh, we're going to do a fake laugh. And when it turns into a real laugh, you just raise your hand. It's, just, it's okay. as simple as it sounds. And when we're done, you say keep it crispy. That's how we end the show. Okay. No question. You're okay with that? Yep. Because you trust me. Let's go. Ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that didn't laugh. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go again. Right? <laughs> no, I didn't say I was good at it. Oh, my. Terrible at it. I'm going to try again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm still excited that you're here. One more, one more, one more, one more, one more. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> now you say it. Now you say keep, keep it crispy. crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, thank you so much, man. I'm gonna hug you when I stand up, but that's all you get for now. Thanks for doing it. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com.